Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner and Sean Shute. No Jack Harper this week, I'd love to give you a great excuse, but apparently having to return to work is enough of one. So he won't be here today. Nearly missed the Star Wars pod last week and he's missing the Lord of the Rings pod this week. How big of a fan can he really be, Sean? Yeah, he's a shambles. He's a shambles. As I've said there. The beacons of Gondor have been lit. The matchup we'll be getting into today <laughs> is 2003's Lord of the Rings Return of the King versus 1986's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <clears throat> How is everyone doing today? Good, mate. Really good. Keenan, uh, hey. <laughs> I'm okay. All good. All right. We did a big shift from you two today. Uh, Jack there. I uh, don't know. I don't want to be uh, just talking to myself. You're the host. I don't know, but I'd like to bring you in. I was at work the other day. Uh, got to keep the phones covered so like one person goes to the toilet, other one stays back. You know how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I got up at the same time as someone else in my office. Um, I said, no, you go, you go. Never, never. No, you go. So I just stay sat down. And I said, if, uh, if things get really bad, we've got a mop in here at least. So... Uh, Dead silence. Nice. And then she said, "What'd you say?" And I repeated it. Like, I don't. I don't get what you mean. Just, just go. Just go to the toilet. Clientele. Yeah, I'm enjoying my humour. Easily done, though. To be fair. Oh, I'd try and tone it down. I've made jokes previously that didn't go down well. So, anyway, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. We will start with this. It's been a long two weeks for Keenan. Star Wars last week, Lord of the Rings this week. I did say to you when uh, we kind of spoke about you watching Star Wars, Keenan, that I said, no matter how long this feels, just remember Lord of the Rings is an hour longer. Fuck me, I just. I got a FaceTime from Keenan at probably, what would we say, about six o'clock? No, probably about seven o'clock last night. Yeah. Three hours, 12 minutes. Three hours, 12 minutes. So Followed by, by a stream of expletives, um, but yeah, pretty yeah. much that was. And it may, well, we will get there, but I'll give you more yeah. thoughts on that. I mean, the synopsis for those that don't know: Gandalf and Aragorn lead the world of men against Sauron's army to draw his gaze from Frodo and Sam as they approach Mount Doom with the One Ring. Critics' reviews: I think this could be a, an easier one than usual, Sean. How do we think they've gone? Good, surely all positive. I'll take you through. Satisfyingly, Austin Sam grows the most here, coming into his heroic own. His big eyes, gazing adoringly and beseechingly at the tormented Frodo, speak volumes about loyalty and bravery in this epic. In Return of the King, the battle for the very survival of Middle-earth and all its fantastical creations will be fought. And unless you're... And unless you're... me. And unless you are a congenital buzzkill... You will feel the urgency, terror, and sweeping import of it all. So they've added you there, Keenan. 
a worthy conclusion to a modern epic. Don't worry that your expectations will be too high. Return of the King will exceed them all. Peter Jackson and his team pull through once again and turn in the best film in a terrific trilogy. If every film were this spectacular, theatres and movie studios could raise ticket prices by $5 and I wouldn't feel cheated. And finally, not for the faint of heart or weak of bladder. This is a film that literally refuses to end. <laughs> that reminds me of the, uh, the peak Cineworld days where I'd get a large, a large Coke and then... It's only a matter I know of time. We, used to, we used to take sweepstakes of how long into the film you'd go and how many times you'd go. <laughs> After me like and Alex tried return into the cinema yesterday and <laughs> it just wasn't open. For some, well, I mean, me and Alex were going to go to the cinema yesterday. Yeah, we, watch, uh, the, we went to watch the new Saw film. We turned up and it was just closed. And <laughs> the only kind of publication they put out was a tweet on the Gloucester Keys Twitter saying, yeah, by the way, technical difficulties, we're closed. So my plan was, Alex had me set up, handed me a phone with the Arsenal game on the second I got in his car, and they get out of the car, go into the cinema, I'd load it up and watch the last five minutes, so I was really, that was all I was going to miss. Yeah. In that time, I get there, there's no film, and I miss Arsenal score two goals in stoppage time. <laughs> and then we just turn around drive home again we couldn't even really uh go and do anything because as we come through for the cinema i was in joggers and trainers so all the things doing the keys couldn't sit down and get some food or anything yeah yeah so i played us both <laughs> so they opened back I, when you first said that i thought you meant they're just not opening at all but no i went I've, the first time i've ventured out of my lunch in all the time working in the keys with everything that's there and mainly because most things have been shut but i just you know when you get get something in your head and i was just craving a five guys and i thought i'll yeah. venture out for my lunch went and got one and i walked past by text alex and i was like it's really weird the cinema looks like it's closed i was like they don't even bother to take the notices down saying like we're still closed basically and i said it again when we we're in the car and then <laughs> obviously I was right, it, it wasn't open at all. But I do remember <laughs> watching the Lord of the Rings films at the cinema. Only one I actually watched in the cinema was Two Towers. But this phase where you had your Star Warses, your Lord of the Rings, your Harry Potters, it was brutal. You did have to fully brace yourself beforehand, like this is going to be a slog if you, if you don't want to go for a pissed year in it. <laughs> I'm just laughing, picturing you both outside the cinema, thinking like, "Wow, we're obviously not getting in." Well, the worst is like people walk past and they obviously know, and they look at you like you're an idiot, despite the fact that there's nothing put out for us to know they were <laughs> going to be closed. But people are still walking past, looking like I look at them turning up when the cinema's closed. <laughs> they cancelled our tickets today, actually, a day late. All right, but. I, I honestly dread to think how many times you must have had a piss during these films, Sean. <laughs> well, I never, I don't think I watched any of these in, in the cinema, really. Um, but if I think back to it, I, let's say I had a, I got one of those large Cokes. I'm probably <laughs> setting the, I'm setting the over under at, at 3.5, probably. Well, I remember, I remember the first one and 
let's make it clear we are specifically doing Return of the King today, but I remember there being something at the end of the trailer where it essentially says, well, I think it was a PG or it was a 12A at the time, and it essentially said, like, take some consideration before showing kids. And in a nice way, it was like, this is the rating we're going to give it, but it may not be suitable. And I remember actually staying around my dad's, and this was back in the days of uh, Dodgy Dave in the in the in the back of the pub with uh, his little ring binder of DVDs. <laughs> and I went round to my dad's one night, watched um, Fellowship of the Ring, loved it. But I actually had the same situation for Return of the King, so I didn't get the big screen experience for it. But it didn't take away from it being any more of an epic when I see it. I think just because I was so excited to see it because the hype before this came out was huge yeah i had it on video i'm pretty sure the fellowship you got it for one christmas or one birthday yeah i think the trailer had them in the mines of moria but i remember how cool it looked when you had the uh, bell rock and all the things like that i remember being hyped for it despite knowing nothing about it <laughs> i've got some trivia for you so just to say keenan when when you were younger or anything were you just automatically of of the mindset like i'm not gonna like this or because i imagine i watched um, everyone you're at I school like, with etc was excited for it yeah i watched like an hour of the first one it's like this, this same for me fair enough i'd like you said last week i'd seen i've seen the star wars films i've watched the first three because my mum made my mum had them on constantly so no, I, just, them, I just wondered if it was like these things i were... say i don't like i don't dismiss them out of hand <laughs> I, do, I, I know a lot of guys who say yeah, well, no, I, mean, I like if, it if, if you don't like say say you, you don't like Star Wars some people have the stats like I don't like fantasy films like I'm not going to go and go to the cinema and see a musical like, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to like a musical I don't need to watch five musicals to know each time so I don't know if you just always had that stance like these films aren't for me Um, I mean a little yeah, I, I may, may, now the, these days, yeah, I, I, I'm happy to play the balance probabilities. I've seen enough. It's not, I've seen enough of them that I think. What's the point? Sorry, Sean. I was going to say because it's not the. It can't be like the the battle element and like the the fighting element because obviously you, you've watched that and enjoyed other films that focus around that. So is it more the? Is it like the fantasy aspects of it? I think so, mate. Because you are right. Yeah, it's like the battles. I do like like when we get to it. That that's what I like about this. Um, that's what I like about this. The like the my the, my redeeming features are the battles, but yeah, yeah. The rest of it, the mythology does fuck all for me. I'll be honest. Um, uh, and everything else, and I just don't. I just don't know. It's hard to describe without sounding like a moron. Well, I think you that stance is quite clear now because all I got into Alex's car yesterday. I said, uh, Keenan's actually watching Lord of the Rings as we speak. And his smirk just said everything to the idea of how people know <laughs> your take on these films are. I've never so, met the fellow. He's got fully Listen to the podcast, didn't he? Oh, hi, Alex. You're <laughs> um, <laughs> breaking yeah, the fourth wall there. Well, no, yeah. I, 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 I know I'm in part of that chapter, as you two are both acutely aware. I rarely have anything to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I do forget that you are in that chat. I'd be honest, I forget I'm in it a lot of the time. <laughs> Same um, with that fantasy one that you occasionally pop up in. I mainly only if someone asks me, I normally respond, but that's honestly about it. 
yeah. sometimes I don't even do that to be honest if I look at it during the day people text me and it's actually it's pointless between the hours of like half eight and well, about half six it's, other than a Thursday when I'm at home doing the pod it's pointless because I'm, I'm at work and my phone's locked away so I just don't see it and then you come so out do you just stay in group chats just just do you like to be nosy or do you not even read back <sighs> it depends what it is Sean, um, I don't know if Sean would notice. We, we were we had a group chat back in the day, and we were out in Keenan one morning, and uh, someone replied saying, uh, "This is the owner of McDonald's, Cheltenham." Oh we, yeah. We, we 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 found Keenan's phone. Please, could you? Uh, well, I didn't <laughs> say Keenan. We finally found his phone. Please, can you pass this on? Yeah, we tried having a chat with the bloke, but he wasn't having it. He just said, "Like <laughs> it'll be available for collection." Cheltenham oh, I remember Raceway, hearing but, that story. Yeah. It was race yeah. week, wasn't it? No, I don't think it was, you know. It was after the races. It was after a races. It may not have been uh, race week. I don't know. Maybe. Toff would tell you because Toff sends me the photo every year. Well, because uh, it, it, it was in the middle of the week. So I'm assuming you weren't just randomly out on a Tuesday otherwise. Um, it was quite a while ago. Some I mean, side I'm of not... your life that maybe we don't know about. If you're, maybe out on a Thursday or something. I mean, Wednesday. I might have been, to be honest, going back way back when. But I've... I don't know. I because I'm sure I went no because I collected the phone on a Saturday, mate, or maybe even a Sunday. I'm positive of that much because my mum drove work me. with the messages coming through though. No, because I, I I don't know because I'm convinced because my mum definitely drove me down there because she was raging. She <laughs> like when she she was like you are a fu-, as you would be she were like you are a fucking idiot because by this point mind I've lost it's probably about nineteen. Uh, no, I must have been a, must have been nineteen because we think it was before I went away. Might, be, might even have been one after I got back, which is even worse. But it was a case of, by this point, I've lost eight X amount of bank cards, which I always had to tell her because I needed to give me some, needed to give me some cash when I'd lost my bank card. So I was like, yeah, I transferred you. I'll, I'll draw it out for you when I get a new bank card. I'd lost a passport and keys, etc. And I was like, yeah, just lost my phone. She was like, you're basically she was like, you're a spastic. Um, uh, and that would that I do remember that. But no, I do reply to them. Just texting's a ball. Like I just rather speak to people over the phone. Uh, Whenever you face anyone out there that like, was debating about respond? adding Keenan to the group chat, then uh, you got your answer. <laughs> we got, <laughs> got a little off to the side there. If you're if you're if you're thinking about doing it, do it because I will occasionally read it and it might make me chuckle. Well, our fantasy one, Sean says, I read it because some of it's funny as fuck. <laughs> yeah. True. Well, we'll take you. We'll give you some trivia for Lord of the Rings and Keenan. So God, please don't. Sorry. This movie made a 1,408% profit for New Line Cinemas on their initial outlay, which oh. is mental considering the budget that they put into it. Um, this trilogy then became the most nominated film franchise in Academy Award history with 30 nominations, surpassing which trilogy, Keenan? Say again, sorry. So when this came out, the Lord of the Rings trilogy became the most nominated film franchise in Academy Award history. Oh, so with 30 nominations, which did it surpass? Godfather? Correct. Do you know what would be next? Oscar-nominated trilogies. Lord Oscar. of the Rings had 30, Godfather had 29, and the next one had 21. So I think it would be the, like, the original Star Wars or something for the score, etc. Et correct. Star Wars? Yeah, yeah, yes, it correct, would be like yeah. score, screenplay... Anyway, do you know what I forgot? Um, do we do it another time? But I was going to say, I've talked to you about the Godfather 3 because I found some, there was some stuff I'd forgotten about it. Um, because I know you're not a fan. I've I've actually not seen Godfather 3. Oh, so you know you're not a fan. Oh, 
Sean claims it's his favourite. Um, so I've said this to you before. I think maybe I understand why people don't like it. Some of the plots are a bit odd, and it's not as good as the other two. But I think it's one of those films that if you took away the the Godfather title and it was just a standalone thing, yeah, it yeah. would be like it would be like yeah, it'd be like, okay, like, like that's that's it. that's an okay film. But because you go into it with the preconception that you it's the follow on to like two of the best films since fucking nineteen seventy that people are like, Oh, this is shit. We as, as we are doing it. It's the best it's the best one. The best one out of the three. We are doing a lot of uh, kind of behind the scenes conversations here, but me and Jack have spoken previously about some of these films that we like that essentially have no time to talk about. We may just release just some random episodes on the channel of talking about <laughs> ones like this. So maybe we'll do a Godfather free one. I like we've it. done Batman and Robin. Anyway, I was uh, going to say just uh, yes. just before you just before you leave this point, do you know what film has the most what film has the most recommendations? Sorry, nominations from just one film. Do you know that as part of your research or no? I'll have a little No, no, I was just asking because it just made me think after you said that, but. I'll figure um, out after the pod. It'll be something like this, where you get the effects, you get soundtrack and all that. Yeah. Um, so this this might help uh, Keenan here. So fans of the movie often speculate why the characters didn't just fly on the giant eagles into Mordor and drop the one ring into Mount Doom there. I don't know if that crossed your mind at the end, Keenan. Um, it did. This, yeah, isn't, this isn't a plot hole, and it was explained in the book but the filmmakers didn't think there would have been a need to because they thought it was obvious, apparently. So the Eye of Sauron would have been a major obstacle, and uh, Tolkien said that it just wouldn't have worked. They'd have been spotted on the way in, and they'd have been stopped. So, But, I mean, my question, I don't, I'm not J.R. Tolkien, geez, so I can barely write a sentence, but surely there's a point, I don't know, like you do, like, like you see in, in war films, like the modern day war films where oh, we're going to drop you this far behind enemy lines or this far away from yeah, enemy lines. That's, well, that's so, a fair point, yeah. Rather than spend three films fucking walking, <laughs> surely you've, surely they fly you halfway. And they'd be like, all right, cheers, boys. I Sinfer. know they say something in The Fellowship, I believe, where they say that the Eagles take no sides in any of these things. And so that would be why which actually makes it worse because at the end, then when they saved them, they're essentially like, right, we know who the winner is now, so we can jump on board with these boys. But yeah, they say something about them refusing to pick a side and not getting involved in these things. Mm. I guess that was for that reason. He wanted to have a big bird at the end and wanted a reason for that not to be a factor. They take a side before that, don't they? Because when they uh, they save them from the the Rohan, well, no, the... Gondor riders, when they ride out to basically kill themselves, yeah. Um, According to a magazine article, Peter Jackson hated the Army of the Dead, thinking it was too unbelievable, but he kept it in the script because he didn't want to disappoint diehard fans of the book. That is a bit, I get, that is a kind of another point that Keenan mentioned. It it kind of almost makes everything pointless in the sense that they just got this Army of the Dead, which is undefeatable, so then that's why they win. The bit that annoys me is... They have to obey uh, Aragorn once they find out who he is. They win the first battle, and Gimli makes the point where he's like, look, these boys are pretty handy to have around. We've got another big battle to come. Might be worth keeping them around. And Aragorn's like, no, 
I told them I'd let them go at the end of this. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll go in outnumbered. <laughs> Got to keep your word. Well, yeah, but at some point. Legend, yeah, that's correct. Shoot. You are only as good as your word. Hello, we saw King Arthur sometimes. Sometimes there's one more mission. <laughs> um, Elijah Wood. That, that part's out of his control. I'm not going not to not let you slander my man Arthur. So he's he weren't about it. He did everything no, he could for his life. I'm saying the people he's disrespecting King Arthur again. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. saying sometimes you tell your troops, hey, we've got another battle. I mean, for the fact that the these army of the dead, no one can hurt them. It's not too much hustle for them to say, "Come on, lads, no one's going to hurt you here." By the fact that they can't even touch you, yeah, it would be a big help. This annoyed me. This army of the dead thing that they couldn't like. I understand they're dead, so they can't be killed, but nothing can happen to them. Why aren't they just fucking marauding and taking over the <laughs> olive left? Because like, they, they, no one can stop them. They are genuinely unstoppable. They run the, that one that wave where they jump off where they ju- jump off the boat. They honestly, they fly through them. They honestly, they've done about a thousand soldiers in the time it takes you saying bolts. Well, this is what I mean. So just say, well, look, we keep, we'll, we'll keep you around. Come on, a couple of days out. You've been in a cave the last however many years. Get a bit it's of sun. It's the honour for the king of Gondor, isn't it? Even I know that much. Aragorn played himself. Well, he gets out of it all right in the end, doesn't he? Well, yeah, in the end. Well, Goodbye, Sam was sort of it's, like, it's kind of similar to uh, well, obviously we got Pirates of the Caribbean later on, haven't we? But oh, in the first one, where yes, the cursed right. ones they're like the same, they can't again, undead pirates who can't die, like mm. you could just run the whole sea, but yeah. they're cursed, aren't they? So, um, Elijah Wood was wrapped in a latex like material that represented Shelob's wedding on the DVD. He said it was like being encased in the world's largest condom. So if that entices you to get the DVD commentary, there we go. Uh, special care was taken to make sure that the destruction of Sauron's tower didn't resemble the destruction of the World Trade Center. For this reason, it disintegrates from the ground up and the sand was made from breaking glass so it wouldn't look like it was exploding. You get a lot of these things in films, don't you, where people are going to look yeah. at it and, and draw like they're insulting it. Like that would be your secret way. I remember when... Um, one of the space shuttles exploded and they changed the name of the busted song from Crash and Burn to You Said No because they said it would it would have been too insensitive. Like the families of those astronauts are hearing busted come out like it's a subliminal shot. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know, mate. I, I agree with you. Like In the book, the tower, I, the tower goes... It's going to happen in the film, so it's it's hardly as though it's not going to be something they've added in randomly. It's like, yeah, go on, we've got a big tower, let's blow it up. Yeah. Right. Um, the opening scene where you see uh, Smeagol discover the ring and kind of start on a slippery slope, that was originally going to be in uh, the two towers immediately after Frodo first reveals his name and then decided to save it for the opening of the next film. So I think it would have been a bit clunky if they'd included it in two towers, like here's Gollum and you just cut to a flashback. So it probably works better here just being the opening of the film. Oh yeah, I, I quite I quite liked it as the opening scene. Thought it was quite it was it was fair enough. Although um how quick he fires on that ring, like he loses the ability yeah. to talk as soon yeah. as he sees it. He he goes from he doesn't he stops forming complete sentences. Like he says, Is my birthday, I want it. He, 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 or I 
his mate gets I... smoked. Come on, yeah. you, if 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 the if the rings turn into two, you that much. I want you to have a bit of a better fight. Well, yeah, I do, I don't. He does get done. He's, he's quite quick. Yeah, Smeagol got hands. That's all. That's all. That's the big takeaway. Um, the visual effects crew felt very challenged when creating Shelob by how effective the giant spider had been in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I think they they do a much better job of creating a terrifying spider in this compared to Harry Potter. And I know the, the the theme and the mood is is meant to be a lot different, but that scene feels so... I don't know if claustrophobic is the right word, but that's as tense as the entire film feels when he's trying to run away and he's going through the cobwebs and the spider's right behind him. Compared to well, in Harry Potter, it, it doesn't quite feel like that. No, when it's above him... Yeah. It, it, is, it is there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I actually agree with you. I was watching it. And I thought that is. I thought it actually looked quite good. And we're what? Yeah. We 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 we're not too far off this being twenty years old. Well, there there was a phase shortly after this, wasn't there, where everyone tried doing the let's create a monster film and not show you the monster, which kind of peaked with Cloverfield, and then everyone decided they hated it and they'd go back to sh- putting the monster in your face again. So for this, especially when you have a creature that's so easy to get wrong because it's so easy to make things look like too fluffy or to look uh, just not serious at all, but they kind of get the right balance here, don't they? Mm. Genuinely, I actually, I've literally just forgotten the word anthropomorphize, and I'm worried about myself giving an animal human characteristics. I've been oh, silent for about the last 30 seconds whilst I tried <laughs> to think of it. I'm actually worried. Um, so unpleasant was Peter Jackson's experience in dealing with Harvey Weinstein and Bob Weinstein that when the film was being developed to Miramax, um, their shared credit at the end of the film appears over a pencil sketch of a man fighting off two oversized trolls. Peter Jackson knew This is the thing. Everyone seems to have known, and everyone's like, oh, come on. I mean, that's just kind of what Harvey is. When you see all this trivia now, everyone agrees that he was an asshole. But he just made, just made himself in. Unfortunately, and it is, it is fucking horrific. But for so many people, like, the thing they say is he will just ruin your career. He made himself. If for certain films, he made himself indispensable. Yeah, like, I'm the only person who's going to do this for you. The rest we've had so many bits of trigger, haven't we? Even just in this bracket, where it's like, yeah, they had such a bad experience dealing with him that they did this, they did that. Um, I've got some casting what ifs for you. Hopefully, you don't know these. Um, Sean, I think you'll like some of these. So uh, I'll ask you each time, Sean, whether you think that it would have worked or not worked. So to start with, Jake Gyllenhaal auditioned for the role of Frodo, and Peter Jackson bluntly told him he was the worst actor he had ever seen. <laughs> He says he was asked to walk up to a box, open it, and take out a ring. Confused by what Jackson wanted, he just took out the ring in a really casual way, not at all like someone who's discovered the source of ultimate power in Middle-earth. He also says that his agents were so excited to get him the audition that they forgot to tell him that he needed to put on an English accent for the part. Jackson did not like relaxed about the ring, American Frodo. <laughs> Jesus, that's brutal. Could you see Jake Gyllenhaal as Frodo? Um, I think I can. It's hard. Like now, I 
can. But I think at that time, yeah, and without knowing what he obviously goes on to do, then yeah, I probably could have seen that. I think um, I have heard that bit. I didn't know the nuance of it, but I think I'd heard that. Yeah, you'll have heard some of these before. Jackson has stated him. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Cage turned down the role of Aragorn to spend more time with his family. Uh, he said he was being very selective with his roles and this didn't meet what he was after. This means that in the space of two years, he rejected parts as Neo in the Matrix and the future King of Gondor. Oh, that's horrible. But equally, Nicholas Cage is Aragorn. Was I think one that may have been worse. So Vin Diesel also auditioned for the part of Aragorn, but was unsuccessful. A week later, he auditioned for the role of Dominic Toretto in The Fast and the Furious. Everything worked out nicely. It did. It did. You're right. Ethan Hawke rejected the role of Faramir, citing how busy he was with other projects at the time. He had Training Day released in the same year as The Fellowship, along with four other films. (laughs) Training Day and Fellowship in a Ring would have been a monster of a year. Yeah, very. He's fun. your he's your boy as well. He is. Well, it ties in because uh, Uma Thurman turned down the role of Arwen. Um, she'd already delayed the filming of Kill Bill and had recently given birth to her first child. She says that she regrets passing up the opportunity as she loves the films. She's also married to Ethan Hawke at the time, so I imagine after she's turned it down, it's probably a bit difficult for him to go and jump into it. Yeah, yeah. Did you see Ethan Hawke as Faramir? Not really. Don't think so. I can see that one probably more than any of the others. Um, Sean Connery rejected the role of Gandalf and in turn left an estimated 450 million on the table in the process. (laughs) That's another one I'm quite glad didn't happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Warwick Davis turned down the role of Gimli for a smaller role in Harry Potter. That's strange. Yeah. He gets to be behind the desk in Gringotts Bank instead. <laughs> I actually don't like. I don't like him in the role as Gimli. I don't think he can do it. No. I, I don't think he can either. No, I don't think it would have been good. But um, Daniel Day Lewis rejected the role of Aragorn. He said he doesn't like big budget Hollywood blockbusters, but then made an exception to join Scorsese on Gangs of New York in the same year. I mean, in fairness, it is Scorsese. What are you going to do? That's literally what. Of what he says pretty much <laughs> like, I mean I'm not being funny what are you going to do like, also uh, if, if you don't like Lord of the Rings it's going to be pretty hard to commit that much yeah. time they shot all three films back to back didn't they so that's a lot of time you're giving up for something that your heart isn't in mm. yeah it's true uh, Liam Neeson rejected the role of Boromir he'd have been fresh off his role as Qui-Gon Jinn but he didn't like the script when he read it that's not Return of the King but just a bit of Lord of the Rings trivia. Liam Neeson is Boromir. Yeah. I could see that, yeah. Him with them, uh, them memes. One does not simply walk in. Yeah, he can have... daughter. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So this was the first fantasy movie to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. Um, so there were scenes that were shot that involved Aragorn tackling a physical manifestation of Sauron one-on-one while outside the Black Gate. In the scene, Sauron would have appeared even taller than the Sauron scene at the start of Fellowship of the Ring. Um, but once the footage was reviewed, it was decided just to include this scene. It, it would have gone against everything that J.R.R. Tolkien had in his book and also would have distracted too much from the Frodo and Sam storyline. Glad that didn't happen? Yeah. 
if you, I, I don't know if you've watched it recently, but if you go back and watch the Fellowship of the Ring, as much as it's a cool scene where they have Sauron in the battle, like they imply that he's about 10 feet tall and he's just flinging people around with green magic. If he's doing that with Aragorn, it, it would look very strange, especially in the open space that they had. It doesn't look so bad in the Fellowship because it's a battlefield where it is literally rams like you're leaving a football match. In this one, the amount of open space there when Aragorn kind of walks out to confront whether it's the eye and the, the leader of the other army, it, it would yeah. look very clumsy, I think. Yeah, just, definitely. That was, that was a, a right choice to make, I think. Just a quick one for you, because we were talking about yeah. the Oscars earlier. Joe least won Best Picture, and it was you say it was the first fantasy film to win it. Yeah. Gets an easy ride for me personally. Have you seen what he was up against? No. Lost in Translation. Okay. I mean, it's not a bad film, but it, yeah. Master and Commander. Okay. Again. Mystic River uh, with Sean Penn in it. Yeah. Um, it's quite quite a dark film, actually, to be fair. Um, and then Seabiscuit. There's certainly harder ones, yeah. It gets quite an easy. Master and Commander. We got Master and Commander later in the bracket. It's, a, it's, an okay, it's an okay film. It's not like it's an okay film. I said this to you at the time, so we probably include it in terms of some swashbuckling. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's quite an easy ride. They've done what Peter Jack. I don't know. I don't know how they've managed to work that, but they've done very well. Do you think some of it is like we saw with, and we spoke about release dates before? <laughs> and they, is he just scared them out of the entire year? Some of these other blockbusters. Like, <laughs> what is the point? Maybe. Maybe. City of God, by the way, would have been eligible. That's a good one to go in there. All these all these directors, um, all these studios in that year have just treated that year like the Carabao Cup. And they yeah. just sent their kids out for the year. <laughs> studios need to compete with Man City. Studios have had a look at the releases and thought, no, fuck it, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll delay. Yeah, I mean, just... Wow. Sure. To be fair, if you're releasing Harry Potter, why would you release it the same year as Return of the King? Why not wait and say, you know what? I mean, just as a the Harry Potter's probably not going for an Oscar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just, just a strange one. I think that's, that comes together quite nicely. I mean, for some of it, yeah, you understand why, but for yeah. a lot of them, you understand why it wins the Oscar, which is is fair. But best picture. Hmm. So I've done this previously. I'll ask you both here. The body count for this film is the highest in movie history. Both of you, give me a prediction as to as to what the body count is. 450. Sean? Probably more than that if you're counting the, the army of the undead. But they don't. Oh, uh, they don't. That's not a body count. They're alive, technically. No, I'm thinking about who they kill. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. I thought you meant you were counting them as a body. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Uh, I'll go 625. You're closer. 836 is the kill count on screen. So this, if we had this in the action bracket, this was taking no prisoners. I've got some talking points down and obviously chucking in anything else that, that we've got. First thing that gripes me every time I watch this, I know he's got the ring kind of in his ear. How does Frodo believe anything Gollum says? Like, even when he's supposedly being convincing it doesn't sound convincing at all like it makes no sense to me 
yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It is. It is. A, I mean, they are aware. Thing. The other thing about it is, like, they are. He, like, he's fully aware that Gollum's obsessed with the ring by this point as well. Like, they know that about him when they trap him in the. Is it the second one they capture him in? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I was having yeah. a drink. Sean's Sean has a chatty. Yeah, well, we, no, we, we're not surprised. Um, but yeah, like they know that's his ultimate goal, and yet he's still like all in on it. He's like, yeah, no, he's saying it must be true. <laughs> he thinks he's just going to let him destroy it, just yeah, just willy nilly. Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah, I, I don't know. It's an odd one. So one of the big games that was teased when the PS5 was released is this Gollum game they've got coming out. Do you not think that's an odd choice from a guy that has no combat skills? I mean, he can take a punch. He takes them throughout this film. Samwise puts a beating on him throughout the entire thing. The only guy who stands a chance with is Frodo, seemingly, where they go to town on each other. But it seems an odd character to pick to base a game around when you've got this world of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But they've done, I mean... I mean, how many Lord of the Rings games have there been? I, I reckon they've must been be successful six or because seven. of yeah, they've been very successful. Um, yeah, yeah, no, the I don't, Return I don't, of the don't, King don't was that. one of the best PS2 games ever made. Um, but, I don't doubt that, but you think they've? I'm sure I'm. I've not played any of them. Oh no, that's not true. I played one one of them. Oh, God, what was it? It was like it was the Shadow of Mordor. One. No, it was oh the, no, no, I know, no, I, yeah, I know what you mean. It wasn't like a like a centered on one one character yeah, where you yeah, play know, the story it was yeah. where you play the battles. I played that with a mate when I was a kid. Now I, I think they call it a battle for Middle Earth or something. You might well be right, mate. I, I'm not hundred percent sure, yeah, but I, I that was quite enjoyable. But I'm sure it there's a game seems... about Aragorn, and there's obviously fucking eighty five million of them about Frodo and and Sam. It um, just seems strange because you've got so many like there's other. Um, like pieces of text they can use or if they want like a side story but a guy who can only do like stealth killing mm. it seems like that's going to be a long game of just creeping around yeah is that uh, is that is that the premise is it well it's it's essentially it's it's his it's him between losing the ring and being and his kind of adventures before he goes into hiding Okay, so it just it just seems a bit weird. So oh, that was all my thinking was. No, yeah, because the success has really been. It's a sword fighting game. Like it's it's fun to go around killing orcs and firing Legolas's bow and things like that. It's just it's just an odd one. Yeah. Return of the King game was amazing though. That the first like the first yeah. bit in that game is from uh, is Helm's Deep, isn't it? And then you ride down yeah. your Gandalf. Yeah, Me, so cool. Me and my brothers, I've, I've said this on several podcasts before when we've spoken about PS2 games. I was always Aragorn. My brother Jack Legolas and Harry would be uh, Gimli, which he got a raw yeah. deal looking back. I remember once we <laughs> completed the game, uh, the challenge was to do the Army of the Dead level and escape as Gimli, because obviously he can barely run. And as I said previously, my brother sacrificed himself, letting me play the final level on one player, so we could uh, complete it. Because <laughs> on two player, we were it wasn't happening. <laughs> that was such a hard level, though, that getting past them. I've got several notes here. Some of them don't make much sense when I'm just reading them back. Um, I've got down that uh, Gothmog, the main orc, 
in this film looks like a flump. Like the pig looking one. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever have them the the flump bars like the marshmallow bars? You could horrid, squeeze horrid. it and pop. You could pop the wrapper. Uh, horrid. You don't like marshmallows? Not a great one for it, mate. No, not a great one for sweets. Do you think Gothamog did look like a flump? I kept thinking that I just kept thinking of him. He looked like a pig. Drumstick. <laughs> um. Speaking of food. Then I thought eating the tomatoes in this makes me feel so sick every time. Why is he popping a tomato like that without having the whole thing in his mouth? Let that juice dribble down his chin. He's already started to lose his head by that point, though, hasn't he? Oh, come on. Stuff like that is a, an easy way to show a transition um, of some of essentially someone's mental state, I suppose. Have a bit of grace about you. <laughs> One of the things I, I thought with this film is there's an art to having several storylines on at once and this has more than any other Lord of the Rings film at the point because you they're all separated throughout the entire thing now we've seen with uh, Marvel Infinity War and Endgame that it can be very difficult to keep people interested in a set of characters like this and what what do you think how do you how well do you think they do with it in this do you think they do well at keeping you interested in each person's kind of story and keeping it kind of chronologically so you can keep up with it. Um, and I think it's good. I, I know definitely when I was younger, I always used to not really be interested in the Frodo, Sam and Gollum like storyline. Um, Sheesh, I thought the other way around. No, I was more interested in the, the others and the fighting and everything like that. Yeah, so um, a lot more politics in that bit rather than it being, I don't know how young we would have been, but it's a lot more simple, isn't it? Just get to Mount Doom. Yeah, yeah, I guess not what you mean. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't really, in, I guess, enjoy that aspect when I was younger. But re-watching it now, because I went into that re-watching it the other night, thinking these are the only parts I'll probably enjoy more. But, um, yeah, still like the whole film. I do think they do it well. I do think they cut between the two quite well and it merges all right and I feel like you can keep up rather than it it doesn't feel like you're going back and forth in time or anything like that do you think it's easy to follow Keenan it's easy to follow do I think they do a good job of keeping you engaged no I do not <laughs> you don't have any investment in the characters though to be fair that that is true that is true as I say I mean but yeah I mean it's not is it a difficult it's not a difficult film to follow is it well I was just asking no, I'm asking. I'm just asking you a genuine question. You, you have far more of an investment in it than I do. I, mean, to Joe, is it, I don't think not... it's too difficult to follow. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's quite the easy watch, particularly like if you're not a diehard Lord of the Rings fan. Which I watched the films. I think I tried reading the books when I was younger. It wasn't for me. Um, so I think there's enough going on, and there's enough different places that. You, you do need to have a vested interest to know kind of where you're going, where each person is and all of that business. But no, I don't think you're ever under any illusions. Like everyone here is trying to stop these armies ruining the world before Frodo and Sam get to Mount Doom. Like it's pretty simple in that aspect. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it's, I feel like it's, you could, you can sort of compare it to, to Game of Thrones in, in some ways, like that aspect. Because like, there's obviously some people, you know, like Alex, for, for example, who are yeah. 
like massively invested in it and know all of the storylines of the past families and where the battles are taking place and everything like that. But you can equally easily watch it, not know any of that, and still enjoy it. Uh, even as we've t- we've said many times, like you don't remember half the people's names, but you still uh, can appreciate it and like it. So I was I was editing last week's podcast while watching Arsenal Chelsea, and two things stood out to me. So right at the start of last week's episode, I said we've got opposite ends of the spectrum here because we've got Jack, who's the one end. And we've got Keenan that's the other end. And Jack said, you're painting me out to a bit of a Star Wars nerd here. And then within an hour, Jack's saying, like, you know, there's this world in the uh, subtext of Star Wars that would just be, a, I've always thought it would be a great place to live. And <laughs> the, the, the jump from being offended about being called a Star Wars nerd to there <laughs> was quite something. Mate, he's like, he, he, he's also very open about his love for Harry Potter fan pages. Yeah. Like, I don't know, it's a different franchise, but they're, <laughs> they're not there, essentially. They're all in there around the same sort of thing, so it, people who typically love one will love this this and Star Wars. Yeah. Keenan, do you think you could beat one of the Uruk High in a fight if there were no weapons? One of the little ones, yeah. No, so the Uruk High were uh, the, uh, like, Top orcs, yeah. But if you have a look, the leader of them, the lad who's with the with the bow, um, who oh, I can't remember who takes him out. Like you see, he's big, but they are they are sized down. No, they're not like your normal orcs, but they're, they're, I'd give it a go. So they're no weapons, brutal so. warriors of Middle Earth. Give it a go. I'm probably probably getting probably getting smoked. But Sean, do you think you could beat one if there's no weapons involved? Why an orc? Uh, one of the Urukai. Oh, uh, yeah, possibly. Well, yeah. You, you relying on that stiff job? Yeah, I'm. I'm quite confident. Um, I'm not sure about either of you two. Was my worry. But why if there's you, one, no, I've got the footwork, Sean, and the jab. You don't have and the footwork. You boy. don't have the jab. I do. I do. bypass that jab. No, I told you. We couldn't find him for the next 20 minutes. He was nursing a body shot. <laughs> but that's not your job, is it? So No, no, but I'm just, that was just clarifying that moment that Sean's referring oh, to. Okay, sorry. You the, like the, Urukai, the jab, the jab very... I'm willing to concede because I've never seen you throw a punch. So I'm willing to be polite. The Urukai are, are very military trained. And so they may have the scouting report on my jab. <laughs> so when I switch stances, when I switch stances, and my check hook starts coming out over. If they don't have their weapons to reach for, right? Can we? They just will be co- saying. They will be saying the ring is no longer the most powerful weapon in Middle Earth. It's that jab. <laughs> <laughs> Are you please willing just to concede you chat absolute whop about your footwork? <laughs> no, but like I don't. I'd like you're going to make me say it. And I don't really want to say it, but you know what I'm trying. You know what, where I'm going with it. You're trying to say I'm a bigger gentleman. Yes, if I didn't want to say Tyson that, Fury weighs more than me. Bye. Come on now. And he's got footwork. Yes. There's I'm a lot of reasons you, for that. Um, there's no PEDs in my system either, so think about what you will. No, but I just, this footwork, this is such a myth. I, I, just, I can't really get past it. I'm willing to be nice and give you the job, but the footwork's not for me. The last, the last time I showed these hands, 
An old lady stopped me in the street and said, is your middle name Twinkle Toes? If not, it should be. <laughs> and I said, no, it's Peter, but thank you. I'll take that into account. What scenario are you fighting around old birds? Middle Lane Park. <laughs> if things get testy in these ends, sometimes <laughs> you've got to bang some heads. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot, man. <laughs> anyway, I've got it written down here. It's... Um, Sam's strawberry moment. He's on Mount Doom and he's saying, do you remember the taste of strawberries, Mr. Frodo? In this moment, Keenan would be asking Frodo if he remembers the taste of garlic mayo. Sean, I'm telling you, you've never seen anything like this. He sent me his takeaway so all at once. There was, about eight sash- there was about eight pots of garlic mayo there. Plus there garlic mayo eight. in the burger, in the kebab. You've never seen anything like it. There wasn't eight, was there? I think it was four. And it was already in everything as well. Yeah, but like when you break the burger up, you need a bit of extra garlic mayo. Get get on the bun because seldom they seldom they give you enough. Because I remember being on Facetime to you after you sent me your order and saying, "How much garlic mayo do you need?" Fucking love garlic mayo. Man. <laughs> I do love garlic mayo, mate. I I will eat it with everything. I've got gar- I've got, I've actually got garlic chicken. Like later, I I will make later on. Garlic mayo is going in them wraps. He has garlic mayo on his roast potatoes, Sean. I don't, but... With gravy. Mayo and gravy, I I don't ever do it. But do you not have been KFC and get the mayo and the gravy? No. Oh, mate, honestly. Unbelievable. Sean, at that moment, if you're Sam, what's coming to your mind where you're like, the taste of something? Taste of pizzas in my mind at the moment. Refreshing enough. Refreshing Good. enough to be at the top of uh, Doom. Oh, for refreshing, refreshing would be a 7-up-0, a cold one. So that... Or you're a, in or that like situation a, where... A machine-pulled Coke. Yeah, I'm trying to think of someone relative. So, say um, TK's carrying the ring. You're Samwise in this situation. TK's saying, I can't make it. I've, I've, you've only got about 10 feet to go, but he's given up. You're struggling also. You get given a, a seven up zero. You're like, all right, I can do this now. I can get him up then, those last steps. On your shoulders. That's enough of a boost for you, do you reckon? <laughs> well, I mean, no, in, in, in that, that, in that case, scenario, yes, it would be a pint of Stella, by the way. It would be, <laughs> look. Remember to say to that point, let's go. Uh, in, that, in that scenario, I'd want to, well, going back to what we talked about earlier, I'd want a machine pulled big cinema Coke. And that, that would refresh me enough to think, right, I'm getting him up here now. Not a Lucasaid orange, because you wouldn't I, want that damn original. I hate, I hate Lucasaid orange anyway. But... Do you remember the purple one, the tropical one? Yeah, best that was, was Apple. Yeah. Oh, the original, was horrible. The, the only, best was only the person that liked the original was Tomb Raider. Mm. Just thinking, I was thinking, I must have thought this about five times, and I surely can't be the only one. But I kept, as I was watching this last night, I was kept thinking about Everest. Well, my next question. Oh, okay. Sam, I've got Doug down from Everest. Sam gets them all down, mate. Should, should this he is a serious question. It's a really stupid one, so I apologise. But I did think it last night because I was thinking about Everest. Do you reckon a hobbit's foot would get frostbite on? So I suppose their feet, the whole point about them is they walk around with no nah. shoes because their feet are just fucking solid, aren't they? Do you think they yeah, suffer they, from frostbite? They, they've been through enough, I reckon, that. They do actually they traipse over. To be fair, they do actually traipse over a load of a snowy mountain, don't they? And yeah, and they, they they just got two clubs for feet. I reckon they'd be all right. Yeah, 
See, it, it, he's winning there already. Because less yeah. of the body's susceptible to the cold. Oh, I think he'd do it. Uh, I had a lot. That final scene, I had so many takeaways. Um, I was getting thirsty just by just by looking at it. They modelled Sam and Frodo's lips in the final scenes of this off Brendan Rogers. You can't tell me any different because how chapped their lips are in that final scene. <laughs> They've been sound like having a drink the entire time. They get to Mount Doom and suddenly it's a Brendan Rogers press conference. Chaps you and Rogers is chapped. <laughs> Sean, he's paid a lot of money. It, it's not too much to ask to, to have a little lip sell every now and then. <laughs> I've also got down that the Nazgul's are the team of Werner of Middle Earth. It's, <laughs> it is ridiculous. They do all that hard work. Apparently, they can sense to ring everything. Every time they get there, they can't finish the job. They're literally stood right in front of Frodo. And they're like, hmm, now where's this ring? I don't understand where it could be while they're right in front of him. They do that little scream like a dodgy Dementor. They can mm. do everything. And I guess Sauron's saying like, Look, he's not putting the ball in the back of the net, but he's doing all the hard work. He he's stretching the opposition. We'll keep him out there. Yeah, the Witch King for all his might goes down a bit easy as well, doesn't it? That that annoys me every time. Not being sexist, she's not particularly a great warrior. She she's got some hands about her, but she shouldn't be the one killing the Witch King. And I wonder if. That doesn't feel as big if they do have that physical embodiment of Sauron and they have that scene. Because as far as what we do see, that's basically the boss, isn't it? That's that's like your boss level fighter and we don't yeah. get another one after that. No, 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 no. So yeah, I, I'm with you. That hurts me a bit where it's like, put up a fight at least. Yeah, it's um, the actual death scene is actually quite He's actually quite cool. You know, the stab into the hollow face and the mask, and it like quite like destroying itself or the helmet. Sorry, destroying itself. I actually thought it was quite it was quite well shot with the the light and stuff. But yeah, I agree. It was the it's the I'm no man. I just, it's you just you, know it was coming. That light, yeah, yeah, of course. You, <laughs> and it's like uh, how good would Sam be in a uh, boxing press conference? Some of the lines he has in this film, if he if he's on pay per view, he starts calling the opponent filth. I'm on board. Take my fifteen ninety five. I'm on board. Get away from him, you filth. Has me every time. And the meme of that when it says uh, when when a fat bird's approaching your mate in the club, and it's him saying, "Get away from him, you filth." <laughs> Just some some of the lines he has in it uh, when he's punching the life out of Smeagol after he's calling him a fat hobbit the entire time. <laughs> yeah. That was so uncalled for. He did crack me up. I was roaring when he's like, yeah, he's just a lie. He's a lie. He's a fat hobbit. <laughs> as he's walking away as well, it's what, it's what does me. He's sort of stepping backwards as he's just mouthing <laughs> it. He says to him, uh, you miserable little maggot, I'll stove your head in. <laughs> Sam, for what's meant to be like the nicest bloke, in in the whole of Middle Earth, he's got a tongue on him. <laughs> he's there for his boys. He's Legend. a pay per view fighter. Sa- Sam Sam genuinely is Sam and Viggo Mortensen's character. They're like the only two redeeming features of this film for me. <laughs> when he's 
coming up the steps after Frodo, and he says, "That's for Frodo and for the Shire, and that's for my old gaffer." <laughs> like he, like he, like he's been playing for Neil Warnock. On <laughs> yeah. Who is this old gaffer? I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's Frodo. It must be Frodo, I assume. Oh, I have a question like as well. Um, I have a I have a question for you, and just because I will forget it otherwise. I'm, there's at one point in this film, there's one of the orcs just randomly shout to the gates, you slags. <laughs> yes, I heard this as well. <laughs> I'm fucking roaring. I'm not, I'm, 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 when was that? I, I think I missed that. So, uh, they're chasing something, aren't they? And I think it's because um, in the second one, you have the orc where it says, looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like really popular. That was yeah. like YouTube and everything. And so, yeah, they have this scene, and I can't tell you where in the film it is, but Keenan's right because I heard the same thing and thought, did I hear that correctly? And I don't know if they tr- just tried catchphrasing like they had in this one because it sounds very much like that if that isn't what's been said. I, I, I don't, like, I actually don't know. And if he says something else, I'd love to know what it is. But as I was watching it last night, <laughs> I was convinced he just randomly shouts to the gates, you slags. <laughs> I fucking roared. The other one, and it's a bit, it's proper creepy, but it comes out of the pig face fella. And he just goes, takes this really deep breath and shows fear. <laughs> the whole city's rank with it. I was like, fuck it now. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you can imagine. Uh, I think imagine the most saying that the most I laugh in the film is when um, Kim Lee and Legolas come face to face with uh, Merry and Pippin again, and uh, they say, uh, "We're sitting on a field of victory, enjoying a few well-earned comforts." Pippin says, "The salted pork is particularly good." And they do a close-up of Gimli, who has a little side smirk, and he says, hmm, salted pork? <laughs> <laughs> if you're out walking like that as it is, and you've got a bit of bacon there, that, pr- that probably would be as, as much of a spirit booster as you could possibly have. Yeah, yes, sir. Um, I don't know if you, you answered this already, Keenan. Was there anyone in particular that you found yourself rooting for in the film? Yeah, just yeah, genuinely, just as I said, mate. Sam and well, I know you liked them, but I didn't know if like yeah, Sam. I, mate, I also I really want, but at this point in the film, John, when they get to Mount Doom, I know it no going to happen or not. I, I know enough of it to know that he doesn't. Yeah. But as Frodo stood there with the ring, and he's like, um, you can, you obviously know he's not going to throw it away because it's never going to be that simple. You wouldn't make fucking three films. <laughs> we'll make three films out of it if it was gonna, just going to be easy. I really wanted Sam just to run up and drop kick him. He should have because he was just doing take, my just, be like, just be like, look, I, I've stuck with you through thick and thin. I've almost died county countless fucking times, and now we're here. Bang! I've come to do a job. I'm doing it. He saves the ring. He saves Frodo from a giant spider. And Frodo's like, "Where's the ring? Give me the ring back." Not even a yeah. thank you. Yeah, I oh, know. <laughs> He's a gobshite, mate. I, um, yeah, I, I do. The le- the length of this film just put me off, and the 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 actual premise. It is what I don't like, and there are long stretches of it that are fucking so boring. It's actually hurtful. But there are some, there are there are some bits of it that aren't bad. Like 
I remember when I watched the fellowship, like the bits of the fellowship I'd seen and with the game and and, and stuff and yeah. what I knew. Like Aragorn was the character that you sort of want to be. Yeah, it's it's tough to say, and we'll, we'll get to it, of course. But anyone other than Sam or Aragorn is your MVP here. But Gimli is is the best character to watch in this film. Just the things he comes out with is just sensational the whole way through. When the King of the Dead says, release us, and he says, bad idea, very handy in a tight spot, these lads, despite the fact they're dead. Him and Legolas, that little bromance they've got going on. Unbelievable. Do I need mm. to ask you how rewatchable you deem this film, Keenan? Would you like to? Yeah, let me know. <laughs> I, 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 I can... Never say never, but I can promise you there is probably less than a 1% chance I ever watch this film again. <laughs> so, I asked you to consider beforehand... Um, oh, yes, you did. Do you, do you think this was better or worse than you possibly thought it could be? Because I can't imagine you had high hopes going in. Better, but that is because in my head it was going to it was going to be fucking shite. Granted, I actually did think it was fucking shite, but just not as bad as I thought. There are moments in it that I was like, oh, okay, that's not bad. But then some of it is just God almighty. So even despite the, the lack of interest, did you still get gassed up at least slightly when Sam gives his little speech and says, I'll carry you? No, I can tell you exactly that. Wow. The, the, the undead scene where they fly off the boat. I was I was all yeah. over that, and the other one. What what are the um what are the ones? It's pretty much it's, it's pretty much the exact same same thing happens, but it's just people that are actually alive. Whatever those, oh, I don't know. I can't I can't remember what they're called. Is it Roman Romans or something? Whatever it is, they arrive on the hill, and you've got the orcs in the middle, yeah. and you've got the shit down. You know, like the boys ride into battle. You know, like, yeah, that's that's yeah. when I, I I like that, but I like that in almost any film. To be honest, that we do when it's like so, this. Sean, how rewatchable do you think this is? Yeah, uh, yeah, rewatchable for me. <laughs> um, I like the film. I, I do find it hard to say any film that's three hours twelve minutes long is is yeah, particularly um, rewatchable. Put it in the context of how long it is compared to many other films that are this long. It it's up there. It feels quicker. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, it does feel. Be grateful it's not the extended cut. And he said, and I'm pretty sure I'm slightly paraphrasing here, Keenan, that you may as well be watching the extended cut because once you've come this far, you may as well see the end. <laughs> and I That's think he said, like, what what could what could there possibly be in three hours, twelve minutes that they've not shown me that yeah. made it to the extended? Yeah, I mean, if I'm fucking if I'm three hours in, and you tell me there's another hour. I can probably swallow that easier than actually watching the first three hours. Once you get once you get to the point of no return, you're in, and you? you've got to watch the fucking thing. Three hours and twelve minutes. So if you have a conversation now and someone says, "Do you remember this bit?" and they're like, "Oh, it was in the extended cut," and you like, then you watched all yeah, this, and if, I can't even join the conversation. What if the extended cut actually would have turned it around for you? And that extra hour would <laughs> Shit, actually Byron, as, as Byron told you the, the actual time difference when I say an hour I'm not exaggerating yeah he's literally like an hour, hour Sean I didn't know that now 
let's go back. Sorry, I know I've said it a couple of times, but I will just say it once more, just just to make sure that I'm, I'm clear. Three hours, <laughs> twelve minutes of this. Someone <laughs> did one of you two just have the audacity to say it feels quicker than that as well? It does feel quicker than Byron so, said that, but it does feel quicker than that. So, Return of the King adds fifty-one minutes of additional footage to the theatrical runtime for the extended edition. Four hours and three minutes. Is that what, is that, is that, is that what I'm looking at? Towards yeah. the extended cut? Never. No, oh, like, wow. I reckon you, you've got to offer me... You'd have to offer me double my hourly rate. <laughs> I'm not going to say what that is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know too it, much it, about your work, but it's, it's, it's not the chirpiest job in the world, so this is like... I'd rather... I, would, oh, I won't say it, but... You're right. It's not. It's not. Not the happiest job that I do. But <laughs> Christ alive, I'd rather. I would rather. I would rather work a Sunday than watch this film again. Well, can I, what's what's your best moment slash scene? Uh, it's the bit with the undead where they fly in. What about you, Sean? Um, I think mine is when Rohan first arrives, and then they and then they charge through. Is that what is that what I was trying to say? Sorry, Sean. Is it Rowan? The bit where they turn up on the hill. When they turn up on the hill, yeah, not the undead. Right, when yeah, yeah. Up, sorry, no, that was the other bit. I, that's the other bit. I like, but weirdly, you know, it's coming in any film, regardless of the fact it's based on a book. In a film like this, you know, uh, other than maybe three hundred, but again, that was based on a true story, uh, or, or sorry, based on a text rather than it just being a screenplay. It was adapted from historical things and, and writings on it as this is from a fictional thing in most films like of this nature you know the cavalry is coming but yeah i'm, yeah. A, su- I'm a sucker for it every time <laughs> yeah i get hyped every time it's it's remarkable even in a film that i didn't enjoy as they turn up i was like yes i think it's um sam's speech and then marching up the, the last bit so I, I get so pumped up by that each time i actually rewound it and watched it again um, oh, so you you made this film longer than three hours and twelve minutes? Yeah, yeah. You are an animal. Could you take down one of the the elephants? No, no. With your jab? <laughs> Not quite. I've seen you take down a few uh, <laughs> elephants at closing time in liquid. <laughs> Uh, see, I, I was going to make the joke about the, the the city stinking of fear and shoot like, on a night out, but I thought, nah. yeah, <laughs> too I easy. Gonna, I was going to make the exact same joke as well. Low hanging I was going to say it was about someone we know whose name rhymes with Cram Roft. <laughs> For all of on that on that elephant note, though, the bit where um, Legolas pretty much holds the whole weight yeah. of. Everyone on that elephant in his hand, and then obviously drops it off to the side. Do you not think? But then that then leads to my favourite quote of the film when he gets down and Gimli says, "Still, only counts as one." Yeah. For all of Tolkien's creativity, the elephant is a bit too easy. And yeah. It's definitely like Sunday's about. To, he's about to finish. Like he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll do an extra ten minutes. What should I call this? Elephant just. Get that out of the way with onto the next. Place. I actually prefer it because some of the names are fucking l- ludicrous. <laughs> I understand it's within the realm of fan- fantasy and it is a completely made up world and these constructed languages and etc. etc. But some of them do just take just the piss. It a mammoth or something. Yeah, so some of the names of some of these things do just take the piss. I don't, I just, I 
I think that's actually that, that is a, that's probably contributes to why I dislike it. Well, if let's go through some quotes before we move on to uh, the the next film. Sean, have you got any that uh, spring to mind for you? Um, other than what I've already said, uh, the age of men is over. The time of orc has come. Um, where was Rohan when Gondor fell to the ground? Yeah. Uh, and then there's some there's some great pre-battle speeches in this. The this day we fight. By all that you're there on this good if I bid you stand, men of the West. Did like did didn't mind that. To be fair, I will say or I'm pretty sure as he's shouting. Viggo Mortensen suddenly has an Irish accent. Maybe. His voice turns a little bit. Channel is in her uh, Liam Neeson. Maybe. A little nod. Just uh, just seeing as, as we were looking, I was looking up, because I remember hearing that was, there was going to be a TV series, which I feel like yeah. it's been years, hasn't it? It's been it's still in the works by uh, Amazon. It's being yeah. filmed at the moment. It's been filmed at the moment. Yeah. Right, yeah. I've just seen like it's the most... Like the whole, the first season's going to be more expensive than yeah. all Game of Thrones seasons, something ridiculous like that. Yeah. So what's the TV series going to be about? They're, they kept it pretty quiet, so we it's don't not, really know. It's, it's not going to be like a, an adaptation of the, the no, film. It's is like, it going to focus like on something in, in the, the universe? One, yeah. in, in the world, yeah. Uh, okay. It's going to be like it's going to be like what Star Wars do, isn't it? Like a few years before. Oh, it should be like their version yeah. of The Mandalorian. Something yeah. like that, I'm guessing, yeah. I, I like the little moment Gimli never thought I'd die fighting side by side with an elf. Maybe that says, what about side by side with a friend? Yeah, oh, I could good. do that. Nice moment. I said uh, about Sam's uh, strawberry speech. Goosebumps when Aragorn says, my friends, you bow to no one. Yeah. Unbelievable. Even if they do have about 17 endings for this film. I don't know why there's so many. Every time you think it's ended, they give you a wedding. They give you like the com- them commemorating the dead. They give you people being knighted. They give you them returning back home. They then give you them leaving leaving home. <laughs> we don't need this. <laughs> um, I also like where uh, I think it's Gandalf that says three days ride as the Nazgul flies." Yeah. <laughs> I, I meant to say this earlier. Actually, do you know in the in the book you don't get this happy ending. So in, in the book, um, they return back to the Shire and the Shire has been taken over by kind of the spirit of Saruman. He's kind of filling another body like he does um, in Two Towers. Um, and they say that it was kind of some... Uh, propaganda is not the right word, but um, it was kind of uh, meant to reflect that all of, these soldiers, all of these soldiers had gone to fight in the war and then they get back and their own homes are destroyed. And so, yeah, they, they all get home, they're all happy to return to the Shire, and then the Shire's just been completely taken over, and it was all like, we saved the world, but at what cost? Like, we've lost what we had. And then they said that that would be a bit too depressing for the films, <laughs> so they give you the nice happy ending. I don't know if I've ruined Lord of the Rings for you there, but telling you that. <laughs> no, no. I'm not going to be sitting down to read it. No, no, I meant just the spirit of it. Yeah. Uh, Fool of a toque. I know you like that one, Sean. I do like Fool of a toque. bit dark it... when Pippin says, is there any hope, Gandalf, for Frodo and Sam? There never was much hope, just a fool's hope. Well, lovely <laughs> if you just send them away then. <laughs> to the most feeble blokes in the universe and you're sending them on this deathly journey. I think there's a cop-out by Gandalf where he's essentially like, 
I'm so powerful, you can't trust me with the ring, so I'll send the two hobbits. Hmm. Also, I don't like. I, I don't know how powerful is he. Don't see a lot Very. of magic out of him in this film, do you? No, he actually gets battered quite a few times across <laughs> the three films. Yeah, I've seen just the bit told with, how um, strong he is. Yeah, the bit with um, Saruman absolutely launched him about the room. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got him breakdowns and like um, I, I yeah I, like, I did think I kept thinking this it's like surely like this all powerful wizard probably just do something in one of these battles just kept waiting never came Eowyn did... talking about um, Mary that you should not doubt him and Eowyn said I do not doubt his heart only the reach of his arm uncalled for <laughs> Uh, uh, also, when he's just like, um, when he says, oh, it's a three-day gallop to wherever they're off, and none of my men can take your burden. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely batters him. He's so, oh, so. Oh, three, and unlike in 300, he does take it on the chin, and he thought, all right, fair enough. Yeah, well, he gets, gets Doesn't the Doesn't turn everyone against him. Yeah, well, it's a good thing for these. There was no goats passing, though. Throw it in the fire. Frodo with that little look on his face. The ring is mine. I really wanted just the two boots to just hit him in the chest at that point, <laughs> send him over. How, how much respect have you got for uh, Pippin? He, he touches whatever it's called, the, the Palantir or whatever. Um, the Palantir doesn't snitch on Frodo, tells Sauron nothing. Mm. Yeah. Cred, credit where credit's due. A true one there, a true one. I do like, oh, I do like a bit of foreshadowing as well. I know we've, we've stated the death, but where um, kind of where uh, they're talking about the witch king and said that no living man can kill him, yeah. and then obviously a man doesn't kill him. I do quite like that bit. We came to it at last, the great battle of our time. Yeah, she must eat, it? or else she gets, or else she gets filthy orcs, and they aren't very <laughs> nice to eat. <laughs> great little moment before they go to see Denethor, where Gandalf saying. Uh, don't mention Frodo or the ring say nothing of Aragorn in fact it's better you just don't speak at all <laughs> that, we go uh, on? sorry oh yeah just before we go on I was going to say the worst part for me within that whole thing that, that spider what's the spider called again Shelob Shelob yeah like that would be a living nightmare for me that's, that'd be the worst part for me I couldn't I couldn't deal with that I just end it myself there I think <laughs> Yeah, I do feel like in films quite a lot. If we go on to um, the next film, and then we'll kind of answer the other categories as, as we get to them. So, Ferris Bueller's Day Off synopsis, a high school wise guy determined to have a day off from school, despite what the principal thinks of that. Neither of you two had seen this before, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. It had recently risen to being my second favourite film of all time. Potentially number one. It may have gone up in the last week. Replaced Back to the Future Part 2 in second place. Oh, God, I was thinking... Wait, wait, hang on, what's your number one? Scarface. Oh, that's right. I was thinking it was that awful film. Awful film. Um, The one with Pedro for president. Alien Dynamite. Fucking hell. That's a great film, and John Heater's a friend of the pod, so you'll have some damn respect. (laughs) John Heater seems a great guy. The film's just not for me. That's a bit more respectable than the way Sean's just said it. 
Critics reviews, Sean. What do you think they're saying about Ferris Bueller back in 1986? Uh, not good, I don't reckon. I reckon so they absolutely has, love this off. Has got John Hughes behind it, so. So, resume. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is, by all means, an irresistibly charming ode to youthful energy and exuberance. Here is a dream as old as. Here is a dream as old as adolescence, and it is fun to be reminded of its ageless potency, especially in a movie as good-hearted as this one. You'll like this one, Sean. One has to marvel at just how perfectly Hughes nails his frustratingly entitled mise-en-scene, which he unquestionably does in the film's mesmerising detour inside an art museum. (laughs) Yeah, love a bit of mise-en-scene. This is John Hughes' best teen film, and it's a call to arms to everyone in the world who doesn't want to follow society's lame-ass rules at the expense of living a cool life. And finally, overall, Bueller has a relaxed, kick-back-your-heels feeling to it, like driving along on the road listening to one of your favourite songs on the radio. Keenan, did you like the film? I did, yeah. Sean, did you like the film? Uh, overall, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought the, the first hour was a struggle for me, but Correct. then it picked up. Um, that is very some, much true. I prefer the first hour, but I've got some oh. trivia for you. Okay. The script of Ferris Bueller's Day Off took only six days to write. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> One of the best scripts of all time. That's a wild exaggeration. <laughs> it's not me saying it. Google it. There's plenty of critics that tell you this. The depth of character. You can't choose to support. You cannot choose to support critics when you want. When you have spent a a big, a big part of the last year saying how bad they are. Yeah, that's only when they disagree with me. Yeah, well, (laughs) everyone's a critic, I suppose, but that is a fucking ridiculous statement to make. During the parade, several of the people seen dancing, including the construction worker and the window washer. Originally had nothing to do with the film. They were simply dancing along to the music being played, and John Hughes found it so humorous that he told the camera operator to record it. So they were just normal people? Yeah. I'll give it to you. Uh, the idea of a sequel had gone around for years with Ferris in college or on the job somewhere. The idea was dropped. Matthew Broderick felt the film didn't need a sequel, that this film was about a specific time and place that we'd all like to revisit, and it didn't need updating. I respect that. Cindy Pickett and Lyman Ward, who played Ferris's parents, actually married in real life after filming this movie. <laughs> and if you didn't know, um, Matthew Broderick and Jennifer Grey, so uh, Ferris and Ferris's sister, are actually were actually in a relationship as well. Which they kept quiet, obviously, while they were doing the press. It would have been a bit weird. But, so in that scene at the start where you've got the two parents and uh, brother and sister... That's two couples, so everyone's in love on the set there, filming <laughs> that scene. He's now uh, mar- he's married to Sarah Jessica Parker. Perfectly. Bit of trivia I've mentioned before. So to produce the desired drugged-out effect for his role as the drug addict in the police station, Charlie Sheen claims he stayed awake for more than 48 hours before the scene was shot. From what we know of Charlie <laughs> Sheen at that time now, do we think that was for the film, or is that just... <laughs> was it just up... happened to be a Friday and Saturday? It was Saturday, Sunday, and then you had yeah, to shoot on the Monday. So, like, you've got to understand, John, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this mm. for the film. <laughs> Nostrils running everywhere, and just 
Like, yeah, it does nail his little role, though, to be fair. Mm. Um, a shot of Ferris playing the clarinet was done on the spot. Someone spotted the instrument as part of the set. Matthew Broderick said he could play it, which, of course, he couldn't. Mia Sara says that Matthew Broderick was actually tickling her feet and knees to get her to laugh in the taxi cab scene. I wonder if Jennifer Grey was on set for that. <laughs> for any car maniacs out there, um, Cameron's father's Ferrari wasn't a real one. It was too expensive to rent, obviously, and destroy. So three replicas were made using an MG chassis, each with a fiberglass body. Nice. In the film, Ferris and Cameron are supposed to be 18 and Sloan 17. In reality, Matthew Broderick was 23. Sean, how old do you think the actor that plays Cameron, Alan Ruck, was filming this? So how old is Broderick? 22. Cameron. So, but, but Broderick was 22. 23. 23. Uh, 28. 29. Cameron is in this film. And Mia Sara was 18. So Charlie Sheen's character's name is Garth Volbeck. Um, so there was originally going to be a whole backstory to his character and family. It was going to be that the Volbecks of the family to whom Ferris's mum is showing the, the house in her job as a realtor. Um, if you look closely, you actually see that the tow truck that takes away Rooney's car is from Volbeck's wrecking service. Um, also, there was a backstory that Ferris and Garth were friends in eighth grade. Garth's family messed him up. Ferris tried to help him and it didn't work. So when Garth dropped out of high school and winds up in a police station, that's why Ferris is so intent on giving Cameron a good time. He blames himself for not helping Garth when he could. And you get the link together where his sister kind of reels off the whole story and he says, I've got someone you should speak to. She says, if you say Ferris Bueller, blah, blah, blah. And he says, oh, you know him. So he was going to have a bigger role, but they decided it didn't really add much to the film. Could have had a bit more Charlie Sheen, though. Ben Stein, a famous film critic and uh, movie exec, said he was exceptionally moved by the film. He called it the most life-affirming movie possible of the entire post-war period. Uh, He says, this is to comedies what Gone with the Wind is to epics. It will never die because it responds to and calls forth such human emotions. It isn't dirty. There's nothing mean-spirited about it. There's nothing sneering or sneering about it. It's just wholesome. We want to be free. We want to have a good time. We know we're not going to be able to do that all our lives. We know we're going to have to buckle down and work. We know we're going to have to eventually become family men and women. We're going to have to pay our bills and have responsibilities. But just give us a couple of good days that we can look back on forever. He actually went on to uh, be the uh, speechwriter for the uh, president at the time. So quite the compliment. John Hughes personally selected the songs for the film. Uh, He wanted them to be somewhat obscure to the typical movie-going audience, feeling that he wanted everything about the film to feel new. So um, the song heard when the Ferrari is revealed for the first time, Oh Yeah, by the Swiss band Yellow. That obviously then goes on to be in films as long as we can remember but it actually prompted them to re-release it after the film came out because people hadn't heard it before and then uh, it put it into the charts Hmm. the parade scene took multiple days of filming Uh, Matthew Broderick said that he was just terrified of doing this, he was just so scared before he did it (laughs) 
And so they choreographed everything down to a T. They booked out a whole studio for him to rehearse in and kind of get it down to a T. And then he says that at the end, um, he turned around, he saw a river of people. He put his hands up at the end of the number and heard a roar. And he said, I can now understand how rock stars feel. That kind of uh, reaction fed me for the rest of my career. The bus scene that you see playing during the end credits, if you, if you stuck around that long, was a scene that was cut from the film. So it was originally going to take place after Jeannie uh, called the police. Rooney was going to find a place to hide. And that was going to be the school bus that was on the way past. So that explains why the scene isn't dark and why a bus is taking students home at six o'clock. If uh, you were curious. Matthew Broderick was always the first choice to play Ferris. But if he turned it down, the shortlist for the role included Rob Lowe, John Cusack, Jim Carrey, Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, Robert Downey Jr. and Michael J. Fox. Any of them Fox you... or Cusack, can't it there? Cusack can't do it. Well, at that stage, you not think? No, he's my guy. You know, full well, I'm all in on John Cusack, but I think he's dumb. His face is a little bit mopey. Michael J. Fox surely can pull this off if if he needs to. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, but is it? It would be. You know, it's not a million miles away from 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 no. Marty, is it? <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, so the first edit of the film had a running time of two hours and forty five minutes. Um, they quite literally were going to flash out the whole day. You had the side stories with uh, Garth and. Up until Ferris leaves the house, he has nine outfit changes. Now, after this, they keep him in the same outfit as he would. He's left the house. But w- what it meant with the with the lack of costume changes there is that they essentially just filmed all these different things and there was no issue with taking them out because it didn't ruin the continuity at all. So they could chop things up and move it. So the sequence of the day did shift around after it. And they essentially said, like, we didn't need all this stuff. This is why you had more of the um, fourth wall breaks to basically fill in the blanks that they didn't have with the additional footage. And they showed the cast a long take of the film after they'd first had it in the editing room for a rough cut. They were all terrified. They thought their careers were going to be over. They thought it was a horrible film. Alan Ruck in particular said he would never work again. And then they got in the editing room with um, Paul Hirsch who uh, we may or may not be hearing from in the, in, on the pod uh, quite soon, actually. Um, he gets in there with John Hughes. They lock themselves away, and they turn it around into a one-hour, 38-minute film that it has a budget of $6 million, goes on to make over, 60, over, over $76 million. So it just shows how much work does go on in these editing suites and what they can do with uh, chopping and changing. Yeah, absolutely. He actually was the one that picked uh, to have the Star Wars music as well with the uh, car park attendants. He said he put it in there as kind of the the test audio. And John Hughes just loved it and said that they were definitely going to keep that. John Candy auditioned for the role of Cameron Fry, but producers turned him down saying he was too old. How old is too old when you're firing in a 29-year-old? He doesn't look 29, though, does he, Cameron? No, that's fair. I don't. I mean, I mean, I don't want to be sizest here. Yeah, you are right. He's going to look a bit funny next to Ferris, isn't he? Because Ferris is like this larger-than-life character, and then 
you've got a guy who, in comparison to Matthew Broderick, is larger than life. So mm. I think it would have looked a bit funky. He would have looked more like uh, Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill than yeah, what you've got here. Um, at one point in the film, there was going to be a line that Ferris was going to say, come next year, I'll be the first kid to ride on the space shuttle. And they actually had that featured in the preview for theatres, but less than five months before the film's release, um, the Challenger exploded, killing all seven on board. Uh, so they said that it had to be edited out from the film. Again, another one where five months have passed. I don't think people are seeing that and saying they're making a mockery of those people, but I guess they think it's better to be safe than sorry. John Hughes wanted to film a scene from the script where Ferris, Sloan and Cameron go to a strip club. Paramount executives told him there were only so many shooting days left, so the scene was scrapped. What do you think of that? Because it kind of takes away from the tone of the film, doesn't it, where everything's kind of like... A bit more subtle. Going, there's, there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing like that really to it. Going from uh, an art gallery to a strip club would have been a strange turn of events. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, first question for you. Sloane Peterson or Jennifer Parker from Back to the Future? Huh? Do you know what I said? Sean? What's wrong with this kid? You, you can see me, can't you, Keenan? Yeah. Hello. What are you playing at? I can hear you. It just, it just cough. I can hear anyone. All right. Well, sure. I said, Sean, I've got a big question for you. Uh, right. Sloan Peterson or Jennifer Parker from Back to the Future? Sloan Peterson. Keenan? I'm inclined to agree. I think it's Jennifer Parker for me, but it's close. I don't know if it's the the recency it's the Sloan and it's the name it's the recency and the name Sloan as well has has a lot of power so I'm not part of it. Sloan Peterson and Ferris Bueller are, I wonder if they just met each other because of the, the oddity of their names that's hell of a name the pair of them have got there. Mm. Um, Sloan Bueller would have been a funky name as well. Um, is it fair to say you tune in for Ferris and you stay for Cameron with this film? Yes. It is fair to say that. There's a lot of people that say, I mean, we usually have this is the end topic, that this is a Cameron film. And I've got a bit more of an explanation on that later. I know um, you two big fan of uh, Ben Simmons in particular. He was asked about this and he said, saying this is a Cameron movie is like saying The Last Dance is a Pippin documentary. Did you just call him Ben Simmons? I did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I do wonder where you were going with this. I don't right, really do yeah, basketball, right. but I don't right. know if shoot likes Philadelphia. Does he still at Philadelphia? Yeah, he's yeah. got Maya Jammer as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not yeah Bill Simmons says, uh, saying this is a camera movie is like saying The Last Dance is a Pippin documentary. I disagree with that. Don't think you'd go against him. Bill Simmons is my guy. But I do disagree. I think I, I, I actually think he's a bet, better character. So some theorise this because he actually ha- he has the arc of um, being depressed. Um, he overcomes his anxiety. He's willing to stand up to his dad by the end of it. Um, Ferris's character doesn't change at all. Ferris is the first and last character seen in the film, as well as the narrator. Um, he doesn't go through a transformation. He starts in bed faking sick, ends in bed faking sick. Mm. Keenan, c- can you think of any other film where the main character doesn't have any kind of arc at all? 
No. No, no, sorry to be so so blunt, but no, there, there is for positive or negative, or there's a sense of there's retribution, be it inflicted upon or inflicted by, or there is a penance to be paid. The basically Ferris does just he just has the crack for a day, and that's it. He, he doesn't learn a lesson at all, and I no. can't think of any other film. And and if if anything, you don't know about the aftermath, but. He sets himself up so he can get away doing all this again. He goes from having nine days absence to two. Yeah. So Rooney's after the day he's out, he's probably thinking twice <laughs> about testing by testing him anymore. So he's probably set himself up so he can have another day, another couple of days off. Sean, is this a Ferris movie or a Cameron movie? It's a Cameron movie. I actually disagree. I actually disagree, and I, I and I see all the points there. What I feel like. Cameron needs Ferris there as much as Ferris needs Cameron, and they are the perfect foil for each other. But Ferris is Ferris is the star of the show, no questions asked. Um, I think Cameron's far more interesting. I don't I, disagree. I don't disagree at all. And that's a bit a big part of it. There is a there are senses. There is I don't want to say redemption. Um, maybe it's maybe to himself self redemption as he changes throughout the film. As I said to you the other night, in terms of Ferris, you, you've said it, and I know it's it's a big theorised thing, and a lot of people have said it for years, I believe. But everyone would like to think they're Ferris Bueller, but they are probably closer to Cameron. Yeah, I'm happy to admit I'd never be Ferris Bueller, but I would would never even have, have had the notion of it. But in terms of the existential or the crisis that he has, or crisis of confidence, whatever you want to call it, in terms of like being being 18, you know. Yeah. He's fear. He's fearful of consequences. He's, he's most eighteen-year-old lads. You sort of worry about what's going to happen, but eventually your your decision is, "Oh fuck it, what, what's the worst?" Which is which is what most eighteen-year-old lads are doing. And then the same thing when they in the parade. And I, I do. I will. I can tell you this now. When we when we do it, the, the parade scene is my favourite scene from this film. Um, but even not, as it gets. Not just a twist and shout, you know. He, as he's starting to turn, he's starting to come out yeah. of the shell, enjoy himself a bit more. And she she says to him, "What what what do you want to do?" He says, "I don't I don't know." That that is a is a question that most people ask themselves at that age. Like, what what are you gonna do? Are you gonna go to college? What what do you want to do? Not a clue. Most people have that is a conversation that most people have. Very few of us, most I say us, sorry, very few people get to get to skate by. Yeah. As it would appear to Ferris, do. and that's the, the 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 interest of it, and the relate the relatability, and how relatable that those feelings are at that age. Not you say I talk about adolescence and the time, because it'd be fucking mint just to be able to for me tomorrow just to to toss it off for a day and be like, right, sound. I'm gonna yeah. go and watch a game of baseball or whatever, but it, it ain't gonna happen. Um, it is far more relatable and makes a far better character. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's somewhat jealousy on my part because I'd love to be able just to piss it all off and like Ferris and just and, and there be no consequence to it. So um, there's in in latter years, people have said that uh, Cameron has a thing for Sloan and uh, he has like an interest there more than just her being like uh, his best friend's girlfriend. And something that you don't see, which I think takes away from that, is. Uh, when this is reformatted for DVD, obviously it changed the framing of the film. So when the whole time they're walking through the parade, if you watch this on a VHS tape, um, Sloane and Cameron are holding hands. And I think that does the opposite where they are showing that they are just a group of friends that do 
just care for each other in that way. They don't they don't sell it as being anything more than just they're in a big crowd they're being safe, the two of them are holding hands. And so I think it does add into it there. And it probably adds more to the scene, as you've said, Keenan, where they're having a bit of a heart to heart about how yeah. life's gonna go for them. Yeah. And even even in that she's talking about this she says about beat the sort of the marriage thing again. Um so which if he has got a thing for it must be must be must be fairly annoying. Well, even I, I, does I show some vulnerability, doesn't he? Where, where he proposes and he says the little thing where he says um, he can see that in, in the next year things are going to happen and he has the fear that people are going to drift apart, which is why he wants to kind of give Cameron this day now. That's yeah. why he proposes because he's scared of losing her and he's scared of losing Cameron and drifting away. That's about as vulnerable as he is throughout the entire film. Yeah, and even it's fleeting. Is it, it, it is quite fleeting for for it. I mean, I suppose he does. It humanizes because I've said to you for the first hour of the film, he is essentially just a dick. Um, but and it does humanize him. But it, there there is a, a vulnerability there. But again, that as you watch it, the the the, the interests and the thoughts of it's things that most people are about that age. Yeah, for about, me, about the, the change. Sorry, sorry, Michael. The film for me is about stepping out of your comfort zone and what can happen. Um, it has the, the, the comment which I could have quoted to you any time other than this moment where he says, uh, if you don't take a second, um, I'll pass you by. Mm. And I do find that that really resonates. There, there's no day in my life, I think, that I've particularly enjoyed where I've gone out of my way to do something where I've not immediately beforehand thought about not doing it or cancelling it or that kind of thing and that the feeling beforehand of that and i say constantly to anyone that's hearing me with about comfort zone i always say it's your comfort zone for a reason like i don't understand this thing of push yourself outside of your comfort zone because it's not for a reason but like, i know what you're happy doing but this film is essentially that thing and <laughs> but then you'll, that you'd explore um, more things that are your question um, i'm about to say I'd like say any time I've ever had this where I've thought about cancer, I've thought of this, that, and someone's said that once you're there, you'll enjoy it. Once you're this, that. And this film yeah. essentially just symbolises that for me. Cameron wants to stay at home. He's got this horrible home life. And well, it's completely opposite to that. So I'm not saying that for a second. But he says to Cameron, like, he just needs to get him out of the house. And once he's there, this is going to happen. And Cameron says that he's had the best day that he's ever had. And so that, that's what the film is about for me, is pushing yourself out of there and then the world's your oyster, look what can happen. Yeah. And so I think where you say you prefer the second, second, I think, second, second hour of the film. Is Last 45 minutes. Because I, I, for me, the, the first, the first half of the film is stronger than the second. So I I actually wrote down on here and I thought it was kind of the consensus. So it's interesting to hear you both said you prefer the latter. I put first hour is definitely, uh, the first half is definitely strongest. So, right. Fair enough. It's, no, uh, I, I agree with sure. I actually said this to you Tuesday night as I was watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause I was, I was playing, I was playing skills. So I had to split it. I'm not a great fan of doing so, but it actually two weeks on the bounce. So I seem to have split the films almost perfectly. Um, I know it's only sheer coincidence, but genuinely, from where I stopped Everest and where I stopped this, it was probably bang, bang on. Do you do you think Ferris is likable, Sean? Because no, you're not. I'm not saying you're not a fan of the film, but you're not a huge fan of it. But 
the consensus has always been kind of that he's one of the coolest movie characters there is. Like the, the movie is essentially sold on how likable he is, and he doesn't seem to float Keenan's boat. I don't. He, he, think he wins he's, I don't think he's likable. Yeah, he, he, as Keenan mentioned, he's, maybe he's towards charming. the end of towards the end of the film, you might start to think that if if I put myself in a place where I'm at school with him, I probably think he's he's a dick. I don't Sorry. like him. Agreed. So. So on that aspect, I don't think he's a, yeah, I don't think he's likable, but well, I don't even think Cameron really likes him T- towards the end. Maybe he oh, does, but come on. this is, this is just, this is, it, they both are the way they are because they both match each other perfectly. Cameron clearly likes him. Half of his worries are the envy that he has towards Ferris. And then on the other hand is what if he didn't have Ferris? Um, yeah, I spoke. I spoke to Keen and I said that everyone has that mate where they try and explain them to someone else, and you re- it sounds like you're insulting them. Like this sounds like they are a dick, and that's probably how Cameron feels about Ferris. But he also wouldn't have him any other way. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. But as I said to you the other day, that is very true, and it is a very good point. But it doesn't stop that person from actually being a dick. You well, just happen to like them. I'll speak to more of our audience then the, the, the pair of you here because Ferris for the most part is considered to be a very charming likable character and I don't think the film would have been as successful if people don't feel that way and it, a lot of that is down to the writing of John Hughes because I agree with what you're saying you shouldn't like Ferris I don't think and you should probably look at him the way Jeannie looks at him with like I can't believe this guy is getting away with this can't believe this guy has it so perfectly um, and, and all of these kind of things and since then both in TV and film people have tried to make their own Ferris Bueller kind of character and I compared it yesterday to Keenan Sean and I said that Miles Teller's character in 21 and Over essentially tries what Ferris does here where Jeff Chang doesn't want to go out he forces him into it because he's like once you're out you're going to have a good time but you don't look at Miles Teller's character as being anything but a dick, really. Like, he doesn't even have the charm side to it. Matthew Broderick, I mean, he, it's, it's gone down as the most successful role of his career. I mean, I asked him for an interview and they quite politely said he doesn't really want to talk about Ferris Bueller too much more. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's probably a good uh, a good comparison there. Yeah, it, it is quite similar. I also made the point, Sean, that Costa in Project X, whilst you uh, eventually love him, the guy is a dick. So yeah, he, but I, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, and as as I say, I don't, I, I mean that he's substantially worse in, or substantially more noticeable in the first half of the film. So I, I don't, I'd like it does, he does, does change and <laughs> yeah. change. I suppose you just this the the scenario changes and the situation changes as people around him probably change more so than he does um, sorry no he thinks you finished i don't mean to cut you off just uh who sent ferris a stripper like for what who had the money <laughs> and who when ferris and don't just believe they, they do believe that he really is sick at home sent him a hooker nurse you 17 but, mate honestly that will cure almost anything but to, to to his family home at what's about <laughs> two in the afternoon. Yeah, I mean it's probably later than that. So like it was near enough when school's going to be finishing. 
as someone who's gone out of their way to do that. So I don't know which kid's done that, but maybe Ferris has a better friend he doesn't know about. Maybe that's what they were raising the money for at the school. Maybe. Talking talk about getting him a kidney, but they just sent her instead. Um, do you think part of the beauty of this film is that, aside from the parade, nothing he does really feels too out of reach? Like, where we don't know how the scene was going to be filmed, but beforehand they're mentioning like being the first, being the first person in space, and some of these other wild ideas. I'm sure they had in the two hours forty five minutes, but buying a Cubs ticket, going to the Art Institute of Chicago, um, going to up to Sears Tower. It's the, fairly easy. The re- they won't the, break the, the, the bank. Rest, the restaurant is the one that does yeah. it. The other one that doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah for I, the I've... most part, his day feels like. And even if it's not the exact same, you could you have could a probably day just do that. You go out Saturday for a restaurant. Night. Yeah, you go for a restaurant, you go to a game, you go to a gallery. It's not too outlandish. Yeah, I said this to you. That's why I couldn't understand the appeal of the film after I'd watched it. Which is not a great deal actually happens. Do you think you'd enjoy that day? Uh, yeah. Swap baseball. I've never been to a baseball game, but swap baseball for another sport and I'd probably enjoy it more. I've seen um, some people go the opposite way where they're like, like, this isn't an enjoyable day, where I think that's... And a lot of it is the company they have, isn't it? Like, he's yeah, just, of course it is. He's good to have a day off with his girlfriend and his best friend. I don't know, Cameron obviously doesn't mind being a third wheel, which, fortunately for him. Um, the gallery scene is my favourite scene in the film. And I, w- I would encourage anyone that's remotely a fan of the film there's a clip on YouTube, um, it's about a minute and a half long, with John Hughes's commentary about all the little kind of interest, intricacies of it. Um, I forgot what the painting's called, but the one where they do the close-up kind of back and forth with Cameron's eyes and the more horrified he looks. It's a Monet. Mo- Monet. Yeah, where he's saying about it's kind of where you have to take a step back basically to see what's going on, but he says kind of the closer it looks, it looks like the girl screaming in the picture. It's supposed to be about the kind of maternal love which Cameron feels that he doesn't have. Yeah. And Cameron feels like as people are taking a step back, then that's how they're seeing him, like there's not much to him. And there's all these different things. And you meanwhile you've got Ferris in front of the stained glass window. He he himself acknowledges it's a very self indulgent scene. He says he just loved hanging out in that gallery when he was a kid. And so he just wanted a chance to show these paintings off. But it does work perfectly and it's probably around the time that you're speaking about with the split in the film where this is where Cameron probably starts to have the kind of realisation himself before you then go the other way. Mm. And the soundtrack of it, the uh, instrumental of Please, Please, Let Me Get What I Want, um, where they've gone for the Dreamland Orchestra's version rather than the Smiths, because I imagine it's a lot cheaper and if you're not (laughs) going to have the audio then that makes far more was, sense. See, I couldn't... I was thinking about this the other day in terms of money. I'm sure it was cheaper, but... Like, they were bigger. They were big. So what's this, 86? They'd released the Smiths. Definitely released the Smiths. Well, I, I don't know if they have to pay the Smiths because it was released as a single already by the Dreamland Orchestra. Mm. No, no, I mean, but the actual sort of version of if they would have gone for the Smiths version, I mean. Yeah, I don't think it works as well, to to be fair, either. No, no, more... I, 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 I could give you that. But I was just, um, I w- wasn't sure in terms of money if it would have been, maybe maybe John Hughes had, sort of, you say, picked the songs and 
maybe yeah. he'd heard that version and it genuinely it just it came to mind and it was one of them. I don't know if it was a monetary decision, but I couldn't I'm trying to work out that time as in, in, in America. Like they were doing big, big here. Like I said, they released the first album, definitely. Maybe The Queen Is Dead was out. I was, I was doing it today and they were saying that they used to be a lot more selective about what they'd license things for. Like, uh, yes, I further down that. the line, they're, they're at the point other than when it was used in a Gordon Ramsay advert, if I'm not mistaken, because Morrissey's an animal activist, isn't he? Mm. And he sued them. But for everything, that, everything else, otherwise, they kind of said, look, it's not taken away from what we've done, so go ahead. And they were taking far smaller fees. But at this point, it may have been not worth the hassle. Like The, the turnaround of the script being written to this being released in cinemas it, it is insane for a film that makes this much money. Yeah. So they probably due to ease is why they went that way about it. Yeah, I, I actually I agree with you. I think it's actually a good choice for the scene. A lot of the scene makes no sense. It's like the, the the poses they've essentially hired out the the gallery for for shooting this. They've done a, a load of shots where. It's almost like an amateur photographer saying, like, do all these poses for me. And they've put it through and just having the music there on top of it means they don't really need an explanation as to why they're holding hands with a bunch of kids and walking through the gallery or why they're posing like diagonally or why they're not talking and looking kind of in unison. You've just got a collection of, as he says, very indulgent shots of the main characters with the art and Cameron having his kind of realisation. Mm. Yeah, I, re- I really like that scene. Um, what do you like the heights? Would you have done his uh, in the tower where they lean forward onto the glass? The would I fuck? One of, one of the one of the cameraman, the one who got the shots of uh, kind of looking down, uh, puked because yep. he didn't like them either. So I don't know why he volunteered <laughs> to take that shot, but yeah, he puked after doing it. I oh, yeah, I probably would have been shaken. You wouldn't have if I you wouldn't have got me as the cameraman, mate. And now they've got a load of signs up in that building because this film's encouraged people to do that when obviously they really shouldn't be falling forward and pressing their face up on the glass. Um, That second hour um, where Rooney's getting battered, essentially testing the waters for Home Alone, is he not? Yeah, well, that's not not a bad shout, yeah. There's no need for Rooney to be battered in the way he does. Um, Overlook that Genie lands three high kicks to his chin where <laughs> she, she's got quite the technical ability there to be doing that. But he, he really does take a pummeling towards the end of the film. And I don't know if any of you know, do you know what happened to him after this? Jeffrey Jones? No, no, no. Uh, he's done for nonsense. Oh, fuck. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. done. About, he's done about 20 years later. He was soliciting a uh, 17 uh, a 14 year old at the time who uh, brought it to light when he was 17 yeah and then they downloaded his hard drives yeah big big trouble Jesus I only found out on the uh, Rewatchables podcast they did uh, what age the worst and he was the answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair oh he's in Beetlejuice as well yeah they say when you look back he's got some quite menacing roles which kind of makes things look worse mm. He's in, uh, what's it called? Um, something the Duck, the Marvel one. Howard the Duck. Yeah, he's a villain in that. Apparently he's quite menacing there as well. Wow. So there you go. Sean, question for you. What does Cameron's dad do to him when the film ends? I don't know. I don't know what he does. And a part of me would think, 
is it going to be like Project X, where you know the dad comes back and just looks and thinks, I don't really know what to say here. I wonder as if wonder as if it's like that. The way he explains as to how his dad is, like he has the he has the, the meltdown, and up until that point, they kind of sell it as kind of his dad's just an asshole, and but. When he has that breakdown, he does say, like, I can't take it anymore. It sounds like his dad is quite yeah, horrible he, to him. Like, he has he get... to sound like he's your standard, he's more than your standard kind of horrible dad, like, almost like he kind of abuses Cameron. Does he get so the belt out? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would have gone down well. Um, I think he should have taken Ferris's offer to take the punishment. But what do you think of that scene, Keenan, of him kind of having his moment of realisation that he can stand up for himself? It's great real, isn't it? But it's a bit different actually following through with it. So yeah, right, just they sound taking a stand, but I mean, with a car being destroyed, it ain't going to go well. It's, it, no. it's nice to see, Joey. Again, it's a it's a culmination of the the events of the rest of the film. That it's if I can do this, I can do anything. Again, it just speaks to the it goes back to the other the thing of them being kids. You know, it's a ridiculous expectation because he because he went and watched the fucking baseball game on a Thursday. Suddenly, his old man's going to let him get away with murder. Um, yeah, but he is basically a classic, though, isn't he? Like, and everyone's kind of probably been in a situation before where you just wound up so tight and then you let it out, and it's just mm. five, ten times worse than it ever could have been. So, yeah, seeing him kind of unravel where he's had the moment before, I guess you'd call it a suicide attempt, whether you want to call it that or not. I guess it's interpreted by everyone differently, but. Yeah. What What do you think of that part of the film? Because I, I know it puts some people off. Like, oh, this uh, they just kind of don't really get it, and that's kind of the turn off for them when it comes to the film. Or do you just take it kind of in tune with how the rest of the film is? It's a little bit of a drop in it in the mood. Yeah. But uh, again, you know, he talks about how horrible the home life is, uh, and I mean, I'm sure Ferris says, like, I, if if that was me, I'd be like, I'd be whatever. So, yeah. and then obviously the panic and it comes after the thing where he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. It, it obviously gets on top and he comes out the other side of it and then it just sort of it seems to have changed, changes him, doesn't it? That, that moment, it seems, yeah. might even be his motive. He's not spoken about explicitly, but that is probably the moment of clarity. It's From John Hughes' perspective, do you think he does that more to show that Cameron's kind of hit hit the edge or do you think it's to show that Ferris cares about Cameron perhaps more than Cameron knows it's the only time you see any kind of like breaking uh, composure from Ferris isn't it yeah and maybe it is done to, to humanise him and to show like um, I, I mean I've got to be honest I didn't consider it as deeply as you you have as you as you as I watched the film, but then again, I think you could make that statement for I've every film we watch. So many t- well, I was reading something earlier where someone says that perhaps there's so much implied depth in Ferris because there's so much cut out where there's so much about these characters that you don't see. You just kind of pick up on a day off, like you're not given the. When you see when you see Godzilla, you see everything. <laughs> this is his home life. This is why we got to this point. This is why this happens. This is very much. Yeah. Drop, you're in the middle of it, it's like you've just kind of pressed continue on someone else's save game yeah, no of course so more can be implied rather than and interpreted for how you want to And uh, as we were saying yesterday, I think this is probably the most I've, I've seen 
any film, it would certainly be at the top. I, I called it the most rewatchable film ever last week. Sean, we were, I don't know if you had iTunes on your computer back in the day, but I was saying to Keenan, you used to have the little play count on there and you could see how many times you played. And sometimes you'd click on there and you'd be surprised that you'd listen to one song perhaps more than you thought you had. Do you think if, if, if you got the stats up of which films you'd watch the most times, do you think it would be one that you would not be embarrassed to show, but there'd be a, there'd be a clangor on there? Do you think? Do you think there'd be one that's a, a <laughs> bit more standout? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I reckon I've seen oh, something like Project X is probably up there for me for what I've seen, and it's not so it's not a masterpiece by by any stretch of the imagination, but it probably would be quite high up on my most watched list. I think mine would probably be like one of the Fast and Furious films okay, probably yeah. be up there <laughs> as, as, as one of them uh, Superbad yeah. would, would be very high on oh for sure but then that's not a, that's not a clanger one is it I think no no but if, yeah. if you it would be a bit of an outlier but probably be a bit of an outlier for some of the other stuff that would be on there um yeah Superbad would be fucking right at the top of it so would Anchorman, actually. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. It's not close. I think it would all be shit like that. Yeah, I, I didn't know how to word it, but just perhaps ones being that, like, you'd be a bit taken by, oh, I've watched it that many times. Mm. Um, can go either way when a character breaks the fourth wall in films. Do you think it's done well in this? I do, yes. Yeah, same. I'm fully on board from when Ferris gives his, uh, when he turns to the camera and says they bought it, one of the worst performances of my career. And I'm, I'm in. Ferris has got me in the palm of his hand right from that point. Mm. The little checklist on screen, I think, it, yeah, I think it fills in the gaps that, that, we, that we needed to have filled in without having to give you a backstory, as we said. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, this is quite nice. Uh, it is actually, I quite like the technique, and as you say, it probably allowed allowed them to cut the film down rather than having sort of twenty five minutes to this is this this is X Y and Z. Yeah. You can do it, and you take out the need for conversation and the narration, or is another way of doing it. Yeah. Um, or, or or a voiceover or something else is or going Star on. Star Wars, quick you little... a ten minute thing at the start saying this is everything you need to know before we get into this. Yeah, it allows you to cut away a lot of a lot of that. So you, you've got a post-credit scene in this, and there was actually a debate with the studio as they said, "What is the point? Nobody is ever going to see this." And it's funny how you turn out now because for any kind of blockbuster, it's, you're more surprised when there isn't a post-credit scene. And if you go back and watch Deadpool, um, yeah. they actually just recreated this one's because the people stayed at the end and it's yeah. the shoo shoo what are you still doing if the movie's over and they recreate that word for word in, in Deadpool where this was really considered to be one of the first of its kind yeah. that's a big impact if, as far as any did you sympathise with um, Genie at all because I did always used to think it was a lot harder for me to get off school than my brothers <laughs> and so I did kind of feel her pain when she was saying that because I was like no, you genuinely feel this? Well, it must have been an hard, it must be an hard day in the office for her when people everyone's everyone's all over her brother. Like, <laughs> he's this, he, she's like, mate, I've seen him this morning. I've seen him at nine a.m. He's absolutely fine. She oh. refers to him as a uh, trouser snake, which Justin Timberlake goes on to coin as a compliment. Mm. 
if he dies, he's giving his eyes to Stevie Wonder. Crack me up. <laughs> really, they crack me up because it was just very random. Yeah. I love hearing the Pac Man noise in the arcade. Um, just something that really kind of took you back down to the fact this film is made in 1986. Mm. Um, Space Invaders was always my game back in the day of, of those kinds. But, uh, Tetris. I was always really a Tetris man. Um, okay, so would you rather see what Cameron's, how Cameron's dad reacted when he got home or what Ferris did the next day? I'd rather see what he did the next day. How he tops it. We don't really get told what day of the week it is, do we? So no, it could be another day of school or it could be the weekend. We don't know. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, sorry. I would want it to be him going to school the next day and being like, yeah. what's up? One of the things they sneak in is um, the girl at the start where she gives the my cousin's uncle's nephew, but she says he fainted next to an ice cream machine. And from what we know of Ferris, you wouldn't put it past him kind of playing out a little sequence like that just to get people talking about him at school the next day. Mm. Who would play Cameron's dad if he was on screen? Trying to think of people at the right age at that time. Yeah, I haven't got a clue. It must be for the time, but I mean, I Alan Rickman down, I thought would would do the role of what we know of Cameron's dad. Yeah, I don't know how Cameron is. I could see him stepping in there, and I don't know if that's just because of Cameron's impression uh, of Sloane's dad down the phone. <laughs> give it, voice. um, give it. Tom uh, Selleck, Javier Bardem. <laughs> oh, crocky, man. You really want to scare him? He wouldn't be staying back after the car. He wouldn't be standing up to him. I don't think. <laughs> Um, Keenan, how rewatchable do you think this film is? I will definitely rewatch it. I've never seen it before, but I will definitely watch it again. Sean, uh, I mean, it, it's easy to watch. I, I'm not going to be in a rush to watch it again, though. So if I, I did watch it be... again, I'd just watch the second half again, probably. So I think you'd be interested in Sean. So we didn't get the sequel of this. Something they did try doing is. They tried, they tried a TV show which lasted for one season and um, it's quite blasphemous actually to the original text because they tried saying that uh, their character is kind of the real Ferris Bueller in this and uh, the character in the film was just kind of doing a Ferris Bueller's day off which I don't really know why they did but there you go but it's actually one of the um, early kind of big acting breaks for Jennifer Aniston who plays uh, Ferris's sister in this. And there's a little YouTube uh, clip that just has all, all of her scenes from the pilot episode. It's about four minutes long. But, yeah, it didn't last very long. The the kid that they've cast um, as Ferris, have any of you seen the Christmas film I referenced the other year that has Jessica Biel in it? I'll be no. coming home for Christmas. No. So the kid that plays Ferris looks like someone that would play... Uh, a relative of Stifler in one of the uh, American Python <laughs> after three. So that's what, that's what he looks like. Um, like he, she, she gives him a kind of spiel and says, um, I'm a senior, you're below me. Uh, don't draw any attention to yourself. Don't this, don't that. And then she steps out of the house and Ferris is heading to school in a stretch limo. And so this is the kind of way that uh, the show's going. It's her trying to get Ferris caught. And not not succeeding, but yeah, didn't last very long. Apparently, is awful, um, and I'm I'm not going to go back and watch it. So. Your 
your point about the pilot then uh, has reminded me. Did I tell you about that Reeves? Reeves thinking about the pilot. He thought that because I think the first episode he watched of a series that was called Pilot was lost when the plane oh, crashes. So, so he thought that, that that's what it means. That's, what every, that's why every episode is called a pilot. Jesus. He didn't realise that um, that's just what it's called. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you know my stats on how rewatchable uh, Ferris is. Um, the pair of you, um, is the twist and shout scene your favourite? Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. It's a great scene, isn't it? Truly uh, feel good, and especially it sums up Ferris with uh, Cameron kind of saying, like, how does he do this? Like, <laughs> Does he not realise what he's doing? And his dad, As I messaged you at the, the time, as I messaged you at the time when it played, I thought actually this is winning me round. <laughs> it, it, it is great, um, and I think the issue for for people that dislike the film are ones that go in trying to take the film seriously, and then you see something like that. But you should really know, ten minutes into the film, that it's not to be taken too seriously. Um. In terms of the, the quotes, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Great quote. It's a great quote. Do you I, have... Sorry, Sean. I was going to say, the other one I like is where he says, that, how could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Oh, brilliant, that is. Do you have a uh, Cameron impression for us when he's on the phone, Keenan? Or is that out of reach? Pardon my French. Is it Gabrielle? <laughs> um, I can't. I actually can't play. I can sort of place it in my head. It's very nasally, isn't it? Yeah. It's Rooney. It's a bit... Mm, yeah, Rooney, you're an asshole. Yeah, I haven't quite got the American version of it, but I can do, somewhat do the voice. Like Ferris, uh... Cameron's never been in love, at least nobody's ever been in love with him. Things don't change. He's going to marry the first girl he lays. She's going to treat him like shit because she will have given him what he's built up in his mind as the end all be all of human existence. She won't respect him because you can't respect someone who kisses your ass. It just doesn't work. Very deep thoughts for an, for, for an 18 year old. That's what Ferris does. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't speak of deep <laughs> not that I condone fascism or any ism for that matter. Isms, in my opinion, are not good. A person should not believe in an ism. He should believe in himself. I quote John Lennon. I don't believe in the Beatles. I just believe in me. Good point there. After all, he was the walrus. I could be the walrus. I still have to bum rides off people. I'm already on board from this scene, but him talking to the camera there does give you a pretty good idea of what he is. Before he's even before you were even introduced to Cameron, the uh, Bueller teacher saying his name was impersonated yeah. in films after this for years and years and years. Cameron saying Rooney could squash my nuts into oblivion. Kind of guys, uh, I was I was going to say. <laughs> Turns out he might well have taken him up on that offer. <laughs> I love Cameron. He'll keep calling. He'll keep calling me until I come over. Just him in his car, just having this back and forth with himself. You've got uh, Let My Cameron Go just before that. Yeah, it did crack me up as he's singing that. 
I don't know if this one would apply to you, Keenan. Anything is peaceful from 1,353 feet. You don't like heights. <laughs> I imagine you're well, not being very peaceful up there. No, mate. I, I'd actually, my hands would be shaking. Like that bit when Joe and you said, like the camera, and I know I said it earlier, genuinely. Like, you'd, I think you'd have to give me a body camera because, like, <laughs> this, I know it sounds it sound stupid. I, it sounds stupid because it is stupid, sorry. But, like, when I talk about like great heights and like picture it in like my mind's eye honestly my hands sweat i i hate them i i'm they like terrify me um ferris's dad when uh his mum says i just picked up genie at the police station she got a speeding ticket and he says i think we should shoot her just blank <laughs> with no <laughs> expression at all he's just straight down the line ferris asking do you speak english and i said what country do you think this is Good side characters they are, having their little breakaway, get back in time. Mm. You've gone too far, we're going to get busted. I got, a, you can never go too far. B, if I'm going to get busted, it is not going to be by a guy like that. I felt mm. I'd seen that guy before, the major D there. He must just be one of them faces that pops up. I, don't, I, don't, I was trying to think of the same thing, actually, strangely, mate. I looked, and there's nothing I could recognise him in his IMDb. Mm. Sean, is the Sausage King of Chicago a title that you would like to have? <laughs> no, that is not a title I would like to have. Abe Froman. Keenan said it's a good title. I'd take it. not really a sausage guy myself. I don't trust this kid any further than I can throw him. With your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't throw anyone. <laughs> I'm saying he's a righteous dude. Yeah, very, very um, dated. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll go into the uh, judging now if uh, everyone is prepared. Everyone good. Mm. All right, Keenan, which film did you prefer? Yeah, Ferris Bueller. Sean, Lord of the Rings. It's, uh, I just assume Jack's not submitted a card for us this week. He he's not watched Ferris Bueller, so he did try saying to me, "Just put Lord of the Rings down for everything." But uh, if he'd watched both films and then said that, then I'd have taken his scorecard. But he hasn't even watched Ferris Bueller, so I'm he afraid a disgrace. he doesn't get that uh, privilege. So he can't have any complaints either way. Keenan, which film do you think is more rewatchable? Ferris Bueller. We, we didn't get your vote. I you said Ferris Bueller. You honestly uh, don't need uh, it, honestly. And sure. rewatchable, I've kind of made my case there. Sean, which yeah. films are more rewatchable for you? Uh, well, uh, objectively, Ferris Bueller is more rewatchable. For me personally, I would rewatch Lord of the Rings before I watch. That's fine. All we need Ferris is your Bueller. take, Sean. You can give Lord of the Rings. Don't let Byron. Yeah. I, I just it. told him. I know, but normally <laughs> you try this. You try this. You've had, had this, <laughs> you do, you've had this you little do. thing about five no. or six times. I have I have said previously when when we when we've had them like that, but if, if I know Sean likes Lord of the Rings, I'm not going to tell him to change change his pick for my benefit. Yeah. And me saying uh, that is only going to have the opposite effect, so I wouldn't be doing uh, that anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll say Lord of the Rings. Um, when I, I believe Jack said Mad Max was rewatchable, and that has just irked me mm-hmm. ever since. So. Um, Keenan, what is your favourite moment slash scene across the two films? That's the parade scene. Sean? Uh, it's the, the Rohan scene. It's the gallery scene in the Ferris Bueller for me. 
Sean, what is the best quote for you? Best quote for me is it still only counts as one in Lord of the Rings. Keenan? Get to the gates, you slags. <laughs> <laughs> for like not even just because this would like to be weird but just so fucking from left field i was like <laughs> i was like, what on earth i need to re so, uh you need to tell I'll me find, I'll, it'll be i'm on not YouTube, gonna rewatch sure. it all again so, if, yeah, for that. if um if i can find it then uh, yeah you got very quiet mate yeah you got very quiet can you hear me now Yes, sir. Am I sounding clear enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My headphones died. It's been a long one, hasn't it? Um, I'll charge them up and then plug it back in. Do I sound all right compared to how it was before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound fine. Still there? Having a nightmare here. <laughs> Had to turn the Bluetooth off. Do I sound clear enough compared to how I was before? Yeah, yeah, my, my quote would be, uh, life moves pretty fast uh, if you don't stop around once in a while. But if I can find the quote um, Keenan gave, then I'll, I'll, I will insert it into the podcast. <laughs> uh-huh. um, just to check, uh, I'm not, am I echoing at all or not? It's only that, don't worry about it. See, it's not, not the worst. I'll just turn it down a little bit. Um, so if we go on to uh, MVP, uh, Keenan, who is your MVP? Sam. Sean? Uh, yeah, it's Sam. It's uh, it's Sam for me also. Um, for what he has to put up with with uh, Frodo, Ferris thinks good, he has uh, a hard time with Cameron. Crikey me! A good a good week for a real star of the film, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, I said that to Keenan before. Um, Keenan, who's the best side character for you? Well, look, I I couldn't work this out, mate. I'm sorry, um, because. You don't know what we're considering a side character in Lord of the Rings? Yeah, it's an odd one. It's an odd one. Cause I, I don't really think anyone from the Fellowship is, is a side character. Okay. Okay. That's, thank you. That's actually quite helpful. Um, if you take all of them out of it, then, any or any of the Fellowship, I'll probably give it give it your mum Rooney, if, you, if you'd allow me. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I'd, I'd give it your mum Rooney. Um... I'm going to go with uh, Faramir. Um, I was close to giving it to Charlie Sheen. But, um, <laughs> he's, more, is... he's more Rex Ryan, isn't he, really? Oh, he's in. We'll get that, but he's, yeah. he'll be going in. Heroic as, uh, as he is. Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be Faramir for me. Sean, uh, you the same? Yeah, mine's Faramir as well. A close second to the... I forgot his name, but the, the, the king... Um, the, well, the leader of, of Rohan, whoever whoever that is. What's his name? The- Theoden? Theoden, that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it would be... Um, it would be yeah, it's, it's Theoden. I actually approached him for an interview in the week, but he's filming something else. Um, Sean, who do you think has the more difficult adventure? <laughs> I mean, Lord, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> This yeah. is the most one-sided ever. Paris doesn't really have much difficulty, does he? Ever until the end, no. where he has a little sprint home, and even then he has time to stop and uh, hit on some chicks. <laughs> Keenan, um, what, what do you think? Yeah, it's Lord of the Rings, right? Sorry, um, Sean. Which film do you think has more visual appeal? Lord of the Rings. Keenan, 
Yeah, I agree. This this was the one I think I struggle with most. I think I will give it to Ferris Bueller, and it's mainly because really? of the gallery scene. But the the landscapes of um, Lord of the Rings, I think you get some more beautiful shots in uh, the previous films um, in the trilogy where you're kind of introduced to each new land for the first time. But you do also have some great ones in this one, particularly um, Minas Tirith, I think, when you've got you've got a shot of Gandalf galloping towards there on, on his white horse. That's really good. Um, Sean, which film do you think has the best soundtrack? Uh, I mean, the, the music of Lord of the Rings is amazing. So I'm, I'm giving it Lord of the Rings. I, I will give a shout out to the, the Twist and Shout, which is obviously a great scene. But but yeah, it's, Lord of the Rings has got amazing soundtrack. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think um, there's songs that I like in uh, in Ferris Bueller, but it's not as fitting. Like the soundtrack in Lord of the Rings, kind of. Uh, I like the song because of where it is in the film. Whereas, aside from uh, "Please, Please" uh, instrumental you've got in the gallery scene, I like the others, but I do feel you could have had other things yeah. that have replaced yeah. them. Whereas everything's obviously specially crafted for Lord of the Rings in this case, and I like that you have the same songs running throughout the trilogy, so you know what indicates things yeah. are what things yeah. are on the down and that kind of thing. Um, Keenan, uh, what about you? <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Ah, you and I are completely opposite, by sort of the case. Um, I actually do agree. I thought the score and the music in Lord of the Rings was was. Boss, boss, oh, it was really good. Um, but I don't, I don't have the same connection to the songs as you two do. Um, the the fact that they are in the other films, honestly, is completely lost on me. Yeah. Um, but also, I thought for a lot of it, whilst the score was great, for some of it, I, it didn't change the intensity or change the the scene for me. Whereas I do okay. think the I do think that each song that's selected in Ferris Bueller, I do actually think adds something to that particular mm-hmm. scene. Twist and shout being overwhelmingly obvious answer yeah, yeah. is without it it's just him stood on it it's just him stood up high but I do think the songs chosen add more to their respective scenes whereas the battle scenes and stuff where the score's overlaying is such an intense moment anyway there's thousands of men going off to die and so on that it, does it change a lot your change yeah, I, wonder, I wonder if um, I wonder if that, that part of that is because you don't have the connection to the songs from the first and the second maybe. very 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 possibly oh, mate. Yeah, I, I yeah. was hearing I have to admit I to memory I might have heard them before in videos or what, whatever but to memory from for most of them to me it was like hearing it, it, was, it was like hearing them all for the first time sorry but I, that, I might have heard them at some point in, in the fact that it's Lord of the Rings and they're sort of everywhere it's everywhere but yeah I, I they didn't maybe mean as much to me as it does to, to you to there are people that actually think it's Matthew Broderick singing in the twist and shout scene, by the way. I meant to say to you the other day, if I was in that film, there's no way I'm fucking letting them there. There's no way they make me lip sync that. <laughs> I'm full on. Bang. Give me the microphone. Let's go. Keenan, which film do you think is more original? Do I sound clearer now, by the way? I've got my headphones back in. Uh, you you do. Uh, it's Ferris Bueller. Sean, what about you? Um... Uh... My pick, Ferris Bueller, by the way, so if, if that helps you. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll say the same. Um, Sean, which film has a bigger impact for you? 
bigger impact. Yeah. Um, Lord of the Rings Return King. Keenan? I, uh, again, struggle with this one a little bit, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I'd probably edge towards Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, for the impact it had just kind of on the genre, uh, the individual careers and the money it made, but... Do you think it gets forgotten about now? Lord of the Rings, I think there's so much now that we forget about a lot of things, but I do think uh, that's, whenever... That's probably true but i think return of the i genuinely think return of the king now speaking to almost everyone i've spoken to about the podcast which for the record is pretty much every is most people i meet um when i mentioned lord of the rings everyone's like twin towers great great film i liked it a lot more watching back because that was always the kind of forgotten one for me that Mm. because i if i'm going to watch and spend three hours i'd at least like to have some conclusion but I, I've forgotten how good it was before I watched it back. Oh, yeah, see, Twin Towers is is, is for the majority. Two Towers, two towers sorry, it's because yeah. you mentioned them earlier. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I do the same. But because, like, I, that's the film that I, people were like, oh, yeah, that's a great film. Um, yeah. Yeah, this, this seems to have been, I don't know, it, it seems to have been forgotten about. Maybe it is because you're right, there's so many other franchise, like franchises and trilogies, etc. now. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like people, like the people who love it, love it, but it's it's not. It's, I don't think it's as widely spoken about as some of us. No. Um, Keenan, which has the better opening scene for you? Uh, the Lord of the Rings. Sean. Uh, Lord of the Rings as well. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful, me. That's my second favourite scene. No, I was going to say though, you you could have actually just skipped that, mate. We all know that was your answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sean, which film do you think has the better ending? Uh, it's Lord of the Rings as well for me. Um, which ending are you taking? There? Because there <laughs> I'm are going to say the exact same the... thing. <laughs> uh, I mean, if we can count the ending of just a ring going in the fire. No, because yeah. there's another 20 no. minutes afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> it's longer than 20 minutes. Keen, there's literally there's, there's about half oh, no. an hour well, left actually, at this point. When, uh, no, it's 37 when, uh, minutes after the ring gets chucked in the fire. When Aragorn... When Aragorn says like you bow to no one, I'm I'm going I'm going Ferris for this. It it, it annoys me. The I'm going of Ferris, this. by the way. Like you you lose the impact of the ring going in the fire. You lose that should be your big the, thing to end it on, and then you've got so long after that it's like it's mate, you lose the impact of each of those endings. I oh, know it's, it's until it's I mean, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's quite a nice sense to roll the old boy old boy Bilbo out again at the end. <laughs> Oh, it's just like, oh, that's nice. Um, I don't know if that's in the book where he asks about the ring. Like that seems like he knows what's going on with it because he sees them uh, in the fellowship where Frodo says that he's going to take the ring and he's going to be the one to embark on that responsibility. So when he says, "Oh, the ring, I'd love to wear that again," it's like what the to hell find it once about? more. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, they say it's a few years after when they shoot away, yeah, so maybe he's lost his mind. He's not going to ruin the world again. <laughs> um, Sean, which film do you think has the better chemistry? Uh, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship. Keenan? Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair answer. My answer's opposite, but my man Ferris and uh, the gang is the pick. But I do think we do have a conclusive winner. One moment. Um, yeah, so it was 8-6 in the end, to uh, Return of the King. A uh, valiant fight put up by Ferris Bueller, but 
most people's favourite, I think, when you speak to them for the tournament, does go through to the next round. Um, so Jack, if we do see him in the future, we'll have a chance to speak about uh, Lord of the Rings again. Um, next week, then, we have probably my favourite matchup of the entire bracket. We have Toy Story 2 versus Django Unchained. Um, I don't, I don't think the matchups come as with more of a clash than that, and um, a bit of a return to normality for you, Keenan, in terms of, as far as I'm aware, you'll enjoy both films. I am so fucking excited to watch Django again. <laughs> I'm quite excited to watch Toy Story again, to be fair. Um, after watching the first um, recently. Um, we do usually have our points to consider. Sean, um, I know you don't always stick around. Are you sticking around for the points to consider, or are you uh, going? Yeah, yeah. You? yeah. Right. Lovely. So, we've mentioned it a couple of times. Real star of the film is one of the biggest uh, question points for both films here. For Return of the King, Aragorn is front and centre on all the posters. Does anyone think he's the star of this film? No. Sean? No. No, I feel like he... Well, I was going to say he could have been, but obviously they're going off the books, but there's a way that he could have been maybe, but but no, he's not, not a big enough star to be the star of the film. Do you think they turned away from that when, as we re- referenced earlier, they turned away from his, him having kind of his final battle scene where he was going to be against the kind of manifestation of Sauron? Instead, yeah. they don't include that. So he doesn't ever really get his big boss fight, does he? He has a fight with um, Lurtz in um, the first film where he cuts his head off. And the biggest fight that he's going to have after that, he, he calls on the army of the dead to do it for him. He has a mini one with uh, that massive... Like, yeah, yeah. Even that, he doesn't it, have a conclusive win there, does he? Because Frodo chucks the ring in. Yeah, yeah. Comes to a halt. In the um, in terms, of, it's not a fight, but in terms of his crowning moment, is the see the first scene with the the undead army, where yeah. he's like, look, he, the real king of Gondor, and he's like, look, here's a sword. I'm the cap. I'm the cap. I'm the cap. I'm the captain now, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that is that his defining moment as he comes as he comes to it, or is is it? I guess sort it must be. I mean, Return of the King is what yeah. the film's title is. Oh yeah, I meant to say it's in terms of quotes when he says, uh, the, the steward, the steward does not have the authority to for, to stop the return of the king." Yeah. So now he's like, hey. I love it." Um. So Sam is the star of the film. Yes, sir. Token, token. I'm not sure how you see it. I feel we've merged into South Park when I say token like that. Um, he's come out quite openly and said this: this is a story about Sam. Like Frodo carries the ring, yes, but Sam is the hero of uh, of these books. Yeah, I, Sean, yeah. Uh, do you think Frodo's the star of the film, or are you uh, rocking with Sam? Or I can see you saying something stupid like Legolas. <laughs> yeah, Legolas is what I always used to say. Um, it's because Sam, I don't really like Sam, though, to be honest. But... So he, Sean would be like uh, Frodo, asking, ask saying, uh, where's the ring after he's just been saved? <laughs> Legolas you, more is, than me. Is, is, is the bitchiest in the fellowship when it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to your main three, your big three. 
like we've got in Brooklyn, Gimli, Aragorn, <laughs> and Legolas. <laughs> Legolas, is Legolas Tyree. Man, but yeah, he's a uh, he's a bit he's a bit self conscious deep down. That's why he starts making it a numbers game. He feels <laughs> he, he feels a bit inferior. He's just he's just pulling up shots. He, he's Russ Westbrook in the playoffs. <laughs> fails that fails the eye test. Is that what you're saying? He's part of that Look, stats generation. He's he's got the numbers, but yeah, what's it all for? They, they, aren't, I mean, getting, they aren't getting out of the first. They aren't getting out of the first round. Um, but AKA the minds of Moria, if it's just down to Legolas. And do you do you blame him for Helm's Deep as well? Should he have should have killed should have killed him before he got to the got to the drain? Yeah, I know this means he certainly to, doesn't help. I mean, Keenan, but you're right, Sean. It doesn't. No. <laughs> But what essentially, was, what was essentially there's, sorry, I was going to say essentially, there's a there's an orc that, that is carrying this bomb essentially to or to set it off, and he's mm. running, and then Legolas has loads of attempts to kind of kill him before he gets there. Is his but whole thing not that he's an archer that doesn't miss? Is that not his like yeah. power? Yeah, I mean he doesn't. He doesn't miss. Apart from when it matters, him, but... he's Russ Westbrook. Okay. I'm actually not even being so. I, I just remember I thought that was his whole thing. Was he when he's like, playoff he, he's just firing firing <laughs> arrows at everyone and he's just battering people. But you're uh, telling me he had one chance to to change to change the course and he's bottled it. Yeah, I mean he hits him, but not 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 enough. Um, I Sean mean, yeah. Hits. So it would be it would be Sam is is the star of the real or the real MVP anyway. What was bigger, um, Aragorn? Returning to Gondor or LeBron returning to Cleveland? <laughs> Probably LeBron turning, Le- returning to Cleveland. Cause... LeBron's MVP as well. And he has less yeah. help than Aragorn has. Exactly. Aragorn basically has the Warriors team and the Bulls team and every great team ever comes to support. As well as <laughs> I mean, that undead, undead army is essentially the dream team, isn't it? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. your 92 dream team. That just yeah. doesn't ever get beat. LeBron's looking to the GM after Boromir goes down and he's out for the playoffs, <laughs> and they're just not backing him. What's the? Uh, what I'm trying to think of is there like a J.R. Smith moment <laughs> somewhere? That's um, Mary putting the a knife in the back of the. Uh, it's a great assist. King. It's a great assist. Yeah, he just does. His, he has his moment, and then that's he. He has he has his own things along the way. Where he puts everyone in trouble, where uh, touches the uh, Palantir, he tells uh, Denethor about what happened to Boromir. He has all these shenanigans, but he makes up for it with that that one shot. <laughs> um, real star of Ferris Bueller's day off. For it's, all, for all about Cameron, Cameron I, I do think it's Ferris. This Cameron. The star, yeah, big Cameron. Bold. The Bold. Cameron film, the real star. In, yeah, do you buy into the theory that Ferris is a figment of Cameron's imagination? Uh, no, it makes the film a lot darker. Don't want it. Yeah. Someone's made a. It's a bit shut around the desk. Someone's made a mock-up trailer on YouTube where it's the Fight Club trailer, but with shots from Ferris Bueller. Hmm, nice. Uh, um, no, I don't want that to be the case. Recasting one role, Sean. You got a recast for us? Um, I want Justin Ethan Long as Cameron. Justin Long as Cameron. That's so disrespectful. So I'm Ruck. 
Did you recognise him, by the way, from being in Speed as well? I feel, well, I didn't. So I guess I did and I didn't. I remember watching it. I think I recognised him. Us, not knowing where but, from. Yeah, not knowing where from, yeah. Who did you say is? In cinema. He's in Speed. He's the guy, uh, Far- Ethan Hawke. Um, I-, I like that uh-huh. casting, What If. I also, <laughs> it, if I have to take one for Ferris Bueller, I don't want to take anyone away. So, I mean, do we collectively recast... Uh, Jeffrey Jones, do we take him out of Ferris? Yeah, I mean now we do. Yeah, yeah, now now we do. But then you know, Jennifer Aniston looks like she do a great job with um, his sister in it, Sean. Yeah, Aniston. He he was cleared of uh, murder and manslaughter there, so he will have some respect. (laughs) Um. I thought of one there. Could Clive Owen do Aragon? He could, but I feel like that's been picked more on him being a lookalike than being a good Aragon. <laughs> yeah, I, think that's, yeah. I think that's basically just been picked on the fact that Sean loves King Arthur so far. Yeah, but... He's Clive Owen with, with a sword in his hand again. Sean's, your, Sean's in. Sean's all in. Both of your points there are good, yeah. What about Ray Winston as Gimli? Yeah, yeah. I, I do it. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on it. <laughs> I don't look at Clive Owen the same after he's made it like a bitch in uh, the Bourne films. Bourne film, yeah. He, he does, get, up, he does get he he does get that work. He, he went out of a whimper, embarrassing on his point. You're sent as being the main guy to do the job, and he can't do a job. What a scene! That what is, they pay for? Huh? What a scene that is! Yeah. Maybe you take Matt Damon in as uh, Frodo. I, 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 I do, I do Damon as Frodo. Can he have his uh, Boston accent from, <laughs> from Good, Oh, I was going to say the Goodwill Hunting, <laughs> just running around shouting at Gollum. How do you like them apples? Have um, Mark Wahlberg from The Departed as just Sauron's <laughs> eye. And he's dropping the ring. You call us cunts. <laughs> Is that what you do? <laughs> else have we got telling everyone he treats orcs like mushrooms orcs like mushrooms <laughs> feeds him shit and keeps him in the dark if the cast swapped which film works best it just doesn't <laughs> this is a hard one <laughs> for, for the purpose of it, it just it actually doesn't no come on Matthew Broderick as Frodo works Alan Ruck as Samwise no no and Elijah, neither Elijah Woods nor Sean Aston could be Ferris Bueller. No, I just feel like this does not work. It doesn't. <laughs> but you have to pick which one works best. Okay. Um, yeah, give me Broderick as Frodo. Yeah, it probably would be. Yeah, you put in the Ferris Bueller cast into Lord of the Rings. Um, if you had to add Hayden Christensen to one film and Christian Slater to the other, which would it be? Slater goes into Ferris Bueller. It's the eighties. It's oh, Slater. Slater, is this, always, Slater. Has this always been this one? Is this always? Yeah, been you this just one? you're just usually not here. <laughs> I was Chris... sure you the the rock in. Uh... No, no we've got the last bracket. Nice. Just throw Aiden Christian into Lord of the Rings somewhere. He's done it. He did. That's his wheelhouse, isn't it? Yeah, Aiden Christensen could do that, and Christian Slater could easily. He can do... be um, Aomer, that was played by Carl Urban. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Christian Slater. I'm not, I'm not saying I want him to replace, but you could throw Christian Slater in the, in the Charlie Sheen role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could. Um, 
So if you had to add Harrison Ford to one film and Paul Rudd to the other, which would it be? Paul Rudd in uh, in Ferris Bueller. Yeah. I think you can I Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford is... would make it a point to not act to the best of his ability in Lord of the Rings. Like, he's Harrison annoyed Ford with being associated with Star Wars. <laughs> what? Sorry, Sean. I said I'd was, I was put Harrison Ford in as... I'd take your point, but I'd put him in as, like, Ferdin or... Yeah. Someone like that. Um, which low-key piece of memorabilia would you take from the movie? Low-key piece of... Uh, I'd take Cameron's it... Red Wings jersey. Mm. Gordy Howell on the back. Yeah. Is that low uh, yeah, that's low key. Um, by low key, it was the first week we did it, I think, was um, Back to the Future. And I knew Jack would say the DeLorean. And essentially, it's just so you don't pick the most expensive thing there. I, uh, I actually would take Ferris's cardigan. Oh, the leopard print one. Mm-hmm. He's got some good hats in that film. He does. He has a cool at one point. Yeah. yeah. Sean, what are you uh, taking from Ferris, first of all? Oh, from Ferris. Um, well, mine would be that jersey as well. Like that, that stuck out to me. So if that if that counts, then that that would be the one I take. From um, take Lord of the Rings. From Lord of the Rings, I take the Beacon of Minister. Can I take Gandalf's staff? Yeah, you can. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I fancy taking Legolas's bow, maybe. Yeah. So I had something that sounded as bad as something could possibly sound. So, well, I, I was going to say I'd take Mary's helmet. This <laughs> 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 is this just not a good look for me. He's only small, so you might be all right. Take some of them tomatoes that Denifor's having. <laughs> just that fucking juice that's running down all of his face. Oh no! I take the thing of light that uh, Samwise holds up where he says, "Get away from him, you filth." Mm. that'll be quite handy I think um, and then finally if you had to make a spin-off TV series in the world of one of the films which would it be well they're already doing one and they've, and they've done, done the, the other <laughs> uh, think... I mean, I take Lord of the Rings now because we know the Ferris Bueller one was a flop so at least I've got a chance of think... making it if we'd gone back then and we've we've got that Netflix money that Netflix money we, we now know that Ferris is about to have his 10th day off. Can you do a little mini-series of his days off? Mm. I don't mind that. Oh, I don't mind that at all. If you get it directed by like uh, the guys that did Entourage. Yeah. Something fast-paced. Yeah. yeah, I don't mind that at all. Oh, Half-hour episodes, I think. Have a uh, cracker there. Um, so there we go. I mean, fair play to the pair of you for, for sticking with it. Not at any rustling. Um, I've actually been the biggest hindrance myself with my headphones dying. So uh, this pod I'll is apologize. almost as, this this pod is almost as long as Lord of the Rings. By the way. <laughs> Which did you enjoy more? <laughs> this pod fucking <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. Um, if my phone didn't have three three percent battery, I could probably do another hour on this pod. Whereas I well, won't ever do another hour of Lord of the Rings. Subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have been sponsored by Manscaped. <laughs> Um, and you can find that. But yeah, nearly three hours. Uh, fair play. Much appreciated. Um, we got a big one next week. Django against Toy Story. If you're a betting man, does Jack join us? I'm going to say no. 
the enthusiasm seems to have died. I don't want to take credit, but ever since I did say he doesn't miss a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, missed, he missed a lot of podcasts. He missed Mondays as well. Was he not on Mondays? He was on Mondays, yeah. He, he, I think he knew he had to show his face after what had happened with Chelsea. <laughs> and I think he, if, I think he thought Alex was going to come hard in the paint. And he, he was on he was on defensive duty, um, but there we go. Thank you for listening. If you if you've made it this far, <laughs> yeah. Um, if you have made it this far, you're you are a credit to us. Fucking up. Yeah, we should have an interview dropping next week if all goes to plan. So uh, keep an eye on the YouTube and all that business there. We're back Monday with another podcast. End of the season roundup next week. Django against Toy Story two. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.